0: system is our enemy when you're inside
1: you look around what do you see businessmen teachers lawyers carpenters
2: the very minds of the people we are trying to save but until we do these people are still a part of that system and that makes them our enemy have to understand most of these people are not ready to be unplugged and many of them are so
1: inert so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect
3: it
2: <clears throat> all right. How how's this how's the audio? Oh, you sound good on my end.
4: How, how you doing this morning? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I'm doing I'm doing pretty good considering. Um, so so you and I had a had a a, a, a brief back and forth uh through Facebook Messenger. Um and you were just giving me a little bit of your um of your personal philosophy
2: that's right Um, why
4: don't you why don't you you know debrief the audience a little bit on that and then we can just we can go from there
2: my personal philosophy on what we're talking i mean on what exactly on
4: on race on race and entitlements
2: that's what we're supposed to be talking about actually i think race is insignificant i'm i'm a firm believer that race typically Mm -hmm. is insignificant um however i do believe that um Stereotypes exist for a reason. That's both white and black. Uh, but entitlements is something I'm very passionate about because, well, I'm a taxpayer. So mm. I do not I do not like for anyone black or white to receive any um, don't let's just call it donations from me without me volunteering. them. Does that make sense? Um, Yeah, but but
4: I, I, let's let's back up a little bit. You say you think race is race is insignificant. Right. So. What you're saying is is that is that America is a race neutral country. Race race is insignificant.
2: And from my end, I think it's I think it's only significant from people that be, I think it's only significant to people that believe that their failures or lack of success is caused by the color of their skin. Oh, uh, mm. uh, and and that could be anybody. Black that could be anybody. You know, there's some people that even from my end on the white side that believe there is a conspiracy against white people um, in America to depopulate us. Uh, So I feel the exact same way towards them that use race as a crutch uh, for Mm. their lack of success.
4: Mm. Okay. So, but I I think um, you're making a a false equivalency there by by equating um, white people's sense of ambivalence uh, that stems from, from their race and, and, and what we know as white decline to uh, black people's uh, sense of ambivalence because black people's um, mistreatment based on race is, is historical, it's factual, and it's ingrained in the, in, in the very fabric of American society. Uh, is there, so those those two things are those two different things. That's a false equivalency. You
2: no, know, I agree that there's a very ugly past uh, mm-hmm. in America in regards to race. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also am a believer that majority of that past has been uh went well, we've we've gotten past that past. Mm. Um now now not everybody's gonna believe that, not everybody's gonna feel that same way. Uh, but I'm gonna say this, and I'm very stern about this. I 100 percent I do not believe that oppression exists in any aspect at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not believe that anyone holds you down. And even if I did decide that I did not want to hire you, uh, Mary, because you're black, Mm -hmm. that's my right. I bought, purchased, and built my company. If I decide I only want to hire big booty, uh, I'm going to try not to curse, um, a blonde broads. Then that that should be my prerogative, since it's my money that built the business that I created and my hard work.
4: right, but to see what but here's here's the larger thing. your business can't can't thrive or, or be successful if the government doesn't do it doesn't do its job. so for example, if the government doesn't take care of its roads, its bridges, its infrastructure, then your business can't thrive and be successful so in so in that sense we all have a, a we all have a certain responsibility to 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 the greater collective because if the government doesn't do what it's doing then you can't operate and just like you said you didn't w- you don't want somebody benefiting from your don- from your taxes turning into a donation why yeah. should I want hold on why should I want I sh- I don't want the same thing then you see what I'm saying because it's my taxes that's going to the government making it possible for the infrastructure to operate that's helping your business to be successful.
2: Well, um, let me, let me say this. First of all, Mm -hmm. um, prior to taxation, income taxation, which I believe taxation is theft period uh, because we don't pay taxes. Majority of Americans do not pay taxes. I do, but majority of Americans have taxes taken from them. Um, So ultimately um, my thing of this is how did businesses exist or prosper? Um, prior to taxation so the taxation that exists now uh you cannot say that businesses that are successful now are successful due to regulation and taxation when there was successful businesses prior to regulation and taxation does that make sense
4: yeah but that's that's a that's a, a a different thing because uh i think it was uh dang i can't remember the name of the president who who started the interstate highway um you know, the interstate highway system prior to that, there was everything was more localized. This is where we get the, you know, the differences between um, states rights and, and, and the larger federal federal government. Initially, the, the federal government government's role in domestic issues was was very minuscule and minute their 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 mandate was to do those things for the states that the states couldn't do for themselves so that was uh the the creation of borders protecting the borders and you know dealing in international treaties and help and, and to help those businesses export their goods out to foreign markets that was the whole purpose of the federal government what you're mentioning now like like how we get get the taxes now um is income taxes and then and then payroll taxes now the payroll taxes that that is the taxes that that go towards what we know of as entitlement so that's your medic the Medicare Medicaid and and social and social Security you see so uh ultimately, again if the government doesn't operate and do what it's supposed to do in in a a modernized society in an integrated industrialized society those businesses cannot function and operate like you wouldn't have multi-conglomerate corporations in this day and age if 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 there was no uh no ntsb if there was no air traffic control system, you see what I'm saying? If there, if there was no, who like, who, who's supposed to regulate the, the air traffic? If government no. doesn't operate, those businesses, they're going to be much more, much less likely to be as successful as they are. If though, if the government isn't operating doing what it's supposed to do.
2: No, here's the thing, just because I think taxation is stuff does not mean that I do not um, understand why it exists, but right. in terms, but in terms of entitlements, mm-hmm. um, I, my, my firm belief is that if you give humanity, and it doesn't matter, once again, the color of the purse of the human, if you give humanity an option of a way out of working to eat, um, people will take it. You know, mm. I, I'm going to be honest, man. You know, I wasn't always conservative. You know, mm. I was raised on the south side of Chicago. And right. I was, you know, basically, you know the deal. Well, you get what you can get. Right. Um. And so I used to have that mentality. And and once I got. Once I became a harder worker, even before I became conservative, per se, I started mm-hmm. I started noticing that there was a lot of people that was mm-hmm. able to stay at home and, and and basically let the government take care of them while they incarcerate their men, why they mm-hmm. um, basically do nothing. And they were eating better than me. Mm-hmm. And I was working 40 hours a week. And, and that was at the moment that I realized the entitlement system is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not giving it to people that genuinely just need it. veterans, truly disabled people. We got women that are claiming to be bipolar or not just women, but people claiming mm-hmm. to be bipolar. And, and just because they have mood swings, now we're giving them a check. Um, mm-hmm. And then not just that, we have um, women, like I said, that are incentivized there's there's incentives given for them to put their men out of their homes because we're giving them section eight projects where and and you know how it goes Well, i don't know if you know how it goes i'm not gonna make Mm -hmm. that assumption that you can't have a man there so section eight homes we're giving them that and we're giving them food stamps and we're giving them welfare Mm -hmm. um which a lot of times is more then their skill level would have earned them at a nine to five. So, what incentive do they have to actually go work? That's my problem with uh, entitlements for the most part, particularly in that area.
4: All right. Well, let me let me ask you this: Do you have any empirical uh, empirical data to to back up what you just suggested, the statement you just made? Because I, when I look at when I look at uh, the information and the data that's available, uh, what I'm saying is that most women who are on welfare or food stamps or whatever you want to call it most of these women are working i mean this is this is the reason why we did um the the welfare reform act in the 90s under under the clintons exactly because of what you're talking about and you know now in today's time uh most women who are on who are on welfare work well working mothers
2: Sometimes, um, mm-hmm. but about only about six percent of the people that are on welfare work full time. Now, some of that is not their fault. I will grant you that. That right. sometimes in today's climate, jobs will cut you down to thirty-five hours, so they don't have to pay you health insurance. Give offer you health insurance. I get that. Um, but only about six percent of people that get entitlements work. 40 hours or more, and then also, we live in a nation where 108 million people get some sort of entitlement, but if there's only 101 million full time employees. Uh, that is a problem, that's an unsustainable pace. There's no way. And once again, I'm not saying that the entire 108 million are welfare queens, some mm. of those people are older people that that um are disabled people, whatever. So, not all entitlement receivers are doing it maliciously or just being lazy i'm aware of that um, but either way um in the grand scheme of things there's a lot of people taking advantage of this um in mm-hmm. my opinion uh but go ahead uh I, I, those are yeah, the, that's where go ahead um yeah uh okay like even when we get to entitlement spending
4: um the largest driver of the of entitlement cost is actually the health side. So when we when we start talking about Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Uh this is dealing with the elderly with uh you know with the sickly or people who are obese. Obesity is the is the greatest driver of um of the the problem we're having with the entitlements because Obesity is a drain on on uh, the economy because of the health the health effects the health costs. And America is one of the fattest nations on the planet. And see, this again goes back to the cyclical nature of uh, government, business, and the people. Because if we have corporations who uh, process foods and overprocess foods with sugar, uh, preservatives, salts these things that make people unhealthy and then we get we sell those products cheaper than what we sell healthier products the healthier foods are are, are way more expensive than the you know than, than the cheaper foods then what you're going to have is you're going to have an, a population of individuals who are sickly because they're eating the cheaper foods that the corporation is selling in the interest of making a, of making a profit and then that's going to come back on the on the entitlement programs in the government because now these people have health issues so again it's going to come back to medicare medicaid uh and um and social security but one thing i do want to mention um how this idea of what we call entitlements because the fact is is that these aren't these aren't entitlements because the american people are paying money into are paying money into this system we are much less uh so- some, some, but, but, but most, if, if it doesn't matter, if a person is working a, is working a job, even regardless of their, um of their, uh the hours they get, they're still paying into the system. This is, this is an entirely different thing from income taxes. Income taxes is what people can, can choose to be exempt from, and these, and, and, and and, you, you know, use exemptions to drive down their, their rate of what they're paying. But the payroll taxes for the, the payroll taxes are fixed. If you work a job, you're going to pay payroll tax. Like my daughter, she works um she works for a fast food company, right. and when she looks at her check stub, they're taking money out of her check. So yep. she's paying. So she's paying into the system. So what I'm saying is th- this idea or this notion that there's this undeserving population or segment of people who are who particularly are black that's robbing money from the from the system. Is, is a racist trope and stereotype and that was something that was uh, concocted and created in the, in the late 60s and the early 70s as a way to, to, to vilify poor people. Like look, even when we talk about employability, let's be honest, the unemployment rate that they talk about on the news and that they give you when they cook their books isn't the real unemployment rate. If you go, to, if you go into a lot of these communities, you have some some communities where the unemployment rate of of black men is double digit like milwaukee like um uh, detroit uh places in indiana so you, so it's just gonna create this this type of quagmire now what you mentioned earlier um and this is what I'll say I think it's it's uh asinine to assert that people um people are choosing to be to be poor to get welfare. That's analogous to asserting that people are choosing to get sick to get Medicare and Medicaid. It's a it's an entire system of imbalance because this is the type of type of things that arise. We have a capitalist system and where you elevate dollars over over principle.
2: Well, uh, and I, I let me first off say mm-hmm. that I agree with you about the health of our nation. Right. I actually agree with you completely 100 percent on that Concept and I do believe it affects um, entitlements. However, right. uh, my position here is going to be it's still a choice. Um, mm-hmm. Those people can budget uh, the more expensive health items. Right. Um, um, being fat, I know this because I am fat. <laughs> being fat is a uh-huh. is a choice. Um, right. I I choose to um, do the things that. That make me fat, uh, but it does not mean that you nor anyone else should have to foot the bill if my fatness makes me sick and puts me in the hospital. It's my responsibility. Therefore, you know, when that bill comes, I should get it, not you, not the mm-hmm. rest of the taxpayers. Um, now, when it comes to unemployment, um, you know, I listen. I don't believe a whole lot of numbers anyway, right? right. Like I don't. Uh, I think that. Majority of the numbers, no matter who you get it from, is to uh, mm-hmm. help benefit their agenda. So if I get, let's say, numbers from CNN, it's to it is to benefit the liberal agenda. If I get numbers from Fox News, it is to um, benefit their agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only thing you can look at is the numbers that the government presents, and even that is to benefit their agenda. So. Right numbers is you know pretty much subjective if you want to believe them or not right. um but but ultimately my thing about this is i do not believe an attack on on welfare is uh, an attack on on black people and even if that was the case mm-hmm. even if we were to say right now that that white people do not want their taxpayer, their tax money to go to feed black children right um even though that you can say that's mean, and mm-hmm. yes, that would be racist, mm-hmm. but uh, but it's it's a valid argument. Mm -hmm. Um, um, even if that was the the situation. But I don't think that, I don't look at it and say that the attack that I or anyone else makes on entitlements is an attack against black people or any minorities because now I know that the numbers which we just said is subjective shows that 44% of black households are on an entitlement while only 13% of white households. Now, don't get me wrong, that 13% Mm -hmm. of white households is still a bigger number. Uh, It is. But however, I think the bigger epidemic is the fact that almost half of black households are on an entitlement, uh, while the majority of the working people in America
4: mm-hmm.
2: are not black. Um, mm-hmm. Because of the face, I mean, uh, 12.4% of the nation, if you believe that number, once again, numbers are subjective. Um, listen, you're not putting a lot into the mix. If if there's a lot of you locked up, whether it's whether it's the oppression thing that's that's claimed, or mm-hmm. uh, the real crimes, or whatever the case may be, black taxpayers are not uh, uh, putting in a whole lot, mm-hmm. uh, and so for the half of their households almost to receive an entitlement is a is an epidemic. Um, there's a problem if you believe that number. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on that? Do you believe that it is forty four percent? Do you believe the numbers I presented? Um, um, and do, go ahead. Well, and, and do you believe it's an issue, basically? Um, no, no, I don't because
4: when I, when I, I'm a black person and when I look around and when I look at my people, right. I see, I see people who are hardworking. I see people who sure. are, are trying to do the best they can. I see people who want a better life, you know, for their children. And, and a lot of time it's, it's the environment that's causing a lot of things and a lot of issues that may exist in, in certain of our communities. Um, but what I, one thing I do want to talk about, because you mentioned um you know the rates relative to who's getting entitlements it being nearly half of all black households and it's what only 13% of white households but we can see we can trace this back and see this is how we opened up the conversation when we talk about the the racialized past of american history see if 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 you've studied uh the civil war and reconstruction then you then you know that once they emancipated the slaves from off the plantation they didn't give them an economic base or an economic floor. They made certain concessions. They they started certain things, the free, the Freedmen, Freedmen's Bank, um, and things like that. But because of Jim Crow and the resurgence of the of the repatriating segre- segregationists, a lot of those things were were stymied and and neutralized. And that's how that's what ushered us into Jim Crow. And so, see, this is a, a cumulative effect. Of, of how black people get to where, where we are now. Um, when you mal-distribute resources based on the, the lines of of race to disproportionately uh, ingratiate one one race racial group of the country to the economic pie, well then it's gonna have an effect on the disadvantaged racial group and this is the history in America. See, this is what this is what has happened, and and every time, um, when America has been presented with the opportunity to make retribution and reparations to uh to black people, um, there's always an excuse. There always there's always this vilification of uh of black people, and there's always this obstinance coming from the larger white society. If you look at Gallup polls from the 1960s, mm. when asked if, uh, when the Gallup poll asked, you know, uh, white people surveys on questions like, "Do you think black people are treated unfairly in this country?" Do you think uh, black people get a raw deal with education? Do you think black people get a raw deal with housing? Uh, uh, many times, the majority of the of those surveyed would say no. So this speaks to this. Um, this uh, willful ignorance or just basically I- I ignoring uh, the issues that black people have dealt with in this country. And despite all of that, look at look at what we are, at where we are and what we've accomplished. However, that yes. doesn't translate to the entire group or collective of black people. There are still issues that are systemic issues, right. institutionalized issues because it's inertia. Uh, an an object in motion will remain and will remain in that motion until it's acted upon by an outside force. But then those forces that was moving in that initial direction will still have an effect on on its movement. And that's where we are today. Can I you
2: Go ahead. I want to ask you two things. Um, Mm. uh, Well three things actually. the question one, I'm gonna ask all three and then you can nail them. Uh, question number one is going to be, do you think we owe you reparations? And the question number two um, is going to be about the, the appearance of black folks. We talk about a lot when it comes to their poverty, um, but mm. when we talk about the appearance that they present to other people, uh, not just uh, out, actually out there, but if you look at television, the image that they want to represent. And a lot of us, uh, and I don't know if you're liberal or conservative, but I know a lot of black men wearing suits. and I have a lot of black people in my audience that are stand-up, excellent people. Um, However, there's a lot of people that will come into a job interview, and I know this. I used to run a business in which I hired Mm. people. They would come in there dressed just as urban as I do on a damn corner or anyone else does. And mm-hmm. and a, a, with their hat cocked and think that they're going to get hired. And then when we don't hire them, um, it's because they're black. No, it's because we assume based on your appearance that you're into thuggery or the street life. Uh, or mm-hmm. uh, so. The, the, Ultimately, I want to ask you: Is it the is it the is it possibly the image that blacks present to the public, American public themselves, that could mm. possibly be stunting their growth in terms of economically? But uh, but then ultimately, this as the entitlement culture, mm. um, is essentially a handout, and they're saying, "Well, you owe me," um, and I demand fairness. I don't believe anything in life is fair. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when I finally stopped being a jackass, excuse me, uh, and, 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 stepped into the work field mm-hmm. and, you know, I have teardrops on my face and I still dress pretty urban. Right. Um, and despite being white, it does not, and there's a lot, and I have three felonies. I couldn't look at jobs and say, it's unfair that you're mm-hmm. not going to give me an opportunity. I just had to lace my boots up, start my own business and become successful. Um, so basically, I would. Li- uh, my question is, what part of black poverty do you actually blame on black people? Uh, do you think we owe them reparations, and do you think that maybe the imagery that they put out to the public could be a reason that people are not, you know, you know, not so likely to bring them into their company or to do business with them? Right. Um, yeah. Let me let me let me address address
4: this. Uh, number one, yes, I do believe that uh, black people are owed um reparations uh, that's number one uh, number two what part of po- black poverty do I blame more black people um I blame I, I will assign some responsibility to to um to those of us who may not be doing as well because it's always a two-fold situation um the social scientists who've looked at this uh you know they they talk about how that, it's both structural and behavioral inhibitors. So there is a there is something to be said about some of the behaviors that some of us engage in. Um, the larger point is this, the fact that as black people, we have to go into white institutions looking for employment and looking for jobs, and then being subject to the stigmas that arise from how we're portrayed in the media speaks to the speaks to the underlying problem here, and it speaks to, it goes right back to the legacy that you and I both understand and that I've laid out. If we had our own institutions, our own banks, our own corporations that we actually ran and controlled, then those things wouldn't be as much of an inhibitor to, to brothers and sisters as it is when it's a white institution. Because the fact is, is that we have two different cultures in American society. Uh, there's white culture and there's, there's black culture. The, the, but the stance that always comes from the dominant society is somehow portraying black culture as degenerate, inherently criminal, uh, lazy, entitled. See these different things when the fact is, is that uh, that's, that's not true now just check this out if if a white guy came into a business with uh you know um with some cow cowboy jeans on <laughs> some cowboy boots a cowboy hat a lasso and these different things you wouldn't be like okay well i'm not going to hire him hold on, hold on let me make, let me finish the point All you right. would be like you would be like hold on i'm not going to hire him cuz he might shoot somebody at noon because he's dressed like a cowboy you understand that the depiction of how that's portrayed in the media is not necessarily representative of um of the reality and this is what happens with with um with brothers and sisters like this is the way we're portrayed in the media um of being criminal um of being thugs drug dealers when really all it is is just it's urban style and urban culture like it's a it's a it's an urban um thing to have you know your hat backwards that's just flavor you know pizzazz or whatever it is it's not really Indicative of some type of criminal who might who might do something. So, you know, you don't want to hire them You see what I mean? So right. that's why I stand on that, but go ahead
2: Well, here's the thing. Okay, and, and and that I understand what you're saying But what if no one wants to hire flavor and pizzazz? <laughs> Maybe we don't want that in our place of business But number two mm-hmm. <laughs> number two, let me ask you this um, Can you blame a little bit that, of that on black folks? And here's my reason why the cowboy hats, like, I don't see country stars like mm. making videos, um, talking about the violence they would do to mm. another person. Uh, let's be honest here. The uh, yes, I admit media companies are typically ran by white people, however, it still takes the black people to say, Yes, I agree to go on there and p- look like Takashi 6ix9ine and portray this gangster that's going to kill other people. Um, mm-hmm. That's the difference is the, the, the imagery that blacks accept to be put forward in representation of themselves is a violent, r- hardcore gangster rap type imagery, whereas them cowboys are hard, the imagery that they allowed the, to be put out for them. Is of the hardworking cattle rancher, not necessarily going to shoot up other cowboys. I mean, I don't remember a single song where Gar Brooks threatened to pull a one eight seven on an undercover.
4: <laughs> Let's go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um. Dang, I lost my train of thought with that. But, um, y- y- you know, uh, again, we're operating in in um in stereotypes here uh we have to understand that 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 that's entertainment it's like it's like wrestling that, who that w c w uh <laughs> vince mcMahon um but but the but the point is 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 that uh you know these things have been have been racialized look let's talk about how how labor unions early on see there's always see we exist in a continuum of this so the dominant society the dominant class always looks for a reason or a pretext to push black people, particularly black men to the margins. So uh, we get um, the minimum wage, the way we get minimum wage in American society is because they wanted to price black men out of the labor market. Prior to, prior to enactment of the minimum wage, the, the, many black men were being employed at a, at a higher rate than white men because they would do the work for cheaper. They were cheaper labor. So then the the labor unions instituted uh the minimum wage to give a base so brothers could know black men couldn't undercut those white workers. See, this is the history of of racialized union politics in um in American society. And last time I checked. During this time period, which was the early 1900s, there was no brothers running around talking about pulling the 187. There were no brothers running around uh, with their hat on backwards. There was no there was no brothers running around making rap videos talking about how how they'll kill someone. This was it was it was it was always it's it's always about race. Yeah. We just you we just fit it into whatever filter we can fit it into to hide our racialized animus. Like, check this out and then I'll let you go on. Uh, uh, uh white ambivalence to, to black achievement is factual, historical and institutional in the social historiography of, of American society. That's
2: just what it is. OK. Uh, and so let's just let's just say it's the absolute worst. Right. Let's just mm. say white people don't care. Uh, mm. White people are you know, they don't recognize your achievement and they don't they just don't they don't care. Let's just mm. say that is the truth. Um. Mm. Uh, Why is that such a problem? Number one, Uh, because it sounds to me like we're begging for white acceptance. That's number one. But number two, um, I'm going to say that I do want to touch on the reparations thing, because my my ultimate question to you, just to start off, is why should people that do not own slaves pay people that were slaves? Hmm. Nobody on this earth is a slave owner or um, no one here, uh, excuse me, that's an incorrect, that's an inaccurate statement. No one here in America (laughs) are Mm. uh, slave owners or slaves. Um, So why, well, like, for instance, why should I pay you uh, and... And Maybe I'm not even a descendant. I am a descendant of a slave owner, but there's many white owners that's not, uh, mm-hmm. white people that's not. And what about the people? What about mixed people? Like Barack Obama, let's just use Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Should he get reparations? What? Should his mama pay his daddy? Like, who should pay who? You see what I'm saying? That would be yeah. my question in regards to that. Uh, but go ahead. Um, yeah,
4: look, reparations isn't just about slavery. It's it's a it's about the entire context in which uh, Anglo Anglo-Ameri- America has mistreated, dehumanized, marginalized black people. That's what it's about. Slavery so, is just a... So, just, we're being,
2: so we're being so being mean to you. We owe you because we were mean to
4: you, bro. Is that what you're really
2: saying right now?
4: Um. Well, I mean, you. I mean, you call it what you want. If, whether we're talking about slavery, whether we're talking about Jim Crow, whether we're talking about uh mass incarceration it's it's not just being mean it's maldistribution of resources where you where you take the hold on where you take the resources and you hoard them for you and you hoard it for yourselves and then you you lock all of these like you know like black people have been systemically locked out of industries you see what i'm saying like they've been locked out of out out of industries by the dominant class by the dominant society where they would use eminent domain laws to tear up uh thriving black areas so you see, you see what i mean yeah, like I do there's, see what a, you mean. there's an economic so what i'm saying is that there isn't there this is just as much economic as it is racial so that's what i'm saying it's, it's right. not just racial it's economic as well there's an economic train here that we can follow and see why 44 of black households are um, on some type of entitlement, while only thirteen percent off.
2: So essentially, um, it was white people um, were not sharing enough with their resources. Because let's not make a mistake. Let's not mistake mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. We we engaged in what's called conquest in a time where, in worldwide conquest, was thing. We took this from someone else, mm-hmm. and then ultimately, basically, the problem is, is we're not sharing enough of our resources mm-hmm. with black people that's really well, the
4: problem well, well hold on, look. that's because this is something i talk about all the time is that white men didn't do anything in a vacuum um when you talk about christopher columbus getting over here there were Moors on christopher columbus ship there were africans that was with christopher columbus uh when we talk about uh, how america came to be the, the the first blood shed on this land for for america what would become america was a black man an ex-slave christmas addicts see so that's what i'm saying white Men or, or white people haven't done anything in a vacuum. If 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 there's this supposed conquest that was going on, well, you th- you shouldn't have needed anybody's help. You shouldn't have had to go. You shouldn't have had to go to Africa to get slaves to come and work the 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 land and the crops in America. You should have been able to do that yourself. But they weren't. And so uh, even how you know America came to be and America got all of this mass wealth, it just didn't materialize out of anywhere. Much of much of the corporations that exist today got their start in money that was uh created from human trafficking and from
2: uh forced slave labor
4: which and is they've never paid reparations which today. is
2: only considered wrong today you got to realize it it mm. was not considered you can't change a law and then retroactively go back and punish people that broke that law when that i mean that broke that law before that law was illegal so what mm. I mean is that they could say tomorrow that coffee is illegal. You can't go back in time and punish me for all the pots of coffee I've drank. So yes, I understand slavery and the concept mm. of it is wrong today. But mm. back then we was getting y'all for forty dollars a pop. That was a good deal, bro. And listen, most people's gonna take that. Um, the you know if you can get someone to come in your house. Uh, and all you got to do is pay someone else 40 bucks. You come in my house. You're going to fold my drawers. You're going to do all of this. Um, mm. uh, your women are going to sneak into our bedrooms at night and, and give us fellatio. Um, mm. I'm doing a good job controlling this custom, by the way. Um, mm. We can do all of those things for a small price of $40, and it's not illegal. And And everyone's doing it all around the world. Who wouldn't do that? Like, well I mean, then yeah.
4: well, well, well 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 then america has to has to has to come to to face the truth about itself then because we're not the ones who are who are saying we're a nation of laws. We're not the ones who talking about being civil. Uh we're not the ones who's talking about being the moral police. We're not the ones who have a statue of liberty in the new york harbor yeah. serving as a beacon for light and freedom for 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 the planet and who've put who've pushed this idea of uh, of democracy. See, they, they did all that. You see, and so you can't, now you can't, you can't make the argument, uh, this convenient argument of, well, it wasn't this at that time because now the bill has come due. Live up, yeah. live up to the meaning of what you said. You said, we the people, the founding documents of this country say, we the people. Yes. And when you have white, white men, particularly elite, elitist white men who are Harboring all of the who are um, um, occupying all of the institutions, the apparatuses of control, the government, what you're implying by default is that everybody else aren't people. They're not persons. They're not humans. And they don't they don't have they don't they don't have those certain inalienable rights. So if if they're going to if the line of reasoning that you're going to use is what you just demarcated, well, then we're going to need them to shred the founding documents of this country. And let's start over.
2: I, I can I can definitely understand that. And when you look, you got, but what I'm saying, is, when we go back to certain levels, certain mm-hmm. uh, times, you know, the reality of this is we weren't pushing liberty that damn hard for a long time. And it, it, even if we were, uh, you're right. We weren't, mm-hmm. we didn't, we looked at you as three fifth of a right. human and you weren't treated that way. Um, now, obviously we've tried to correct that, but mm-hmm. ultimately the question still has to be, Still mm-hmm. has to, I mean, because you can't start over. The truth of this is, even the ugly histories that any of us have, we cannot, we cannot, this is not a video game. We cannot hit reset. Right. But ultimately, why, why should I um, pay you anything when you, I believe you have the same opportunities as me. Um, Why should I pay you anything? Because you got your feelings hurt or you believe that you were right, wait, let's see wrong. This- yeah, but here's the thing:
4: we're not asking for you to pay. We're not. We're not coming to JB Gunner TV and saying, JB Gunner, you owe us reparations. What we're saying is, is that the wealth of this country was built off of the blacks of slaves, and then that wealth was maldi- maldistributed mal to, to to groups of people who didn't deserve it because prior to prior to immigration and the Naturalization Act, I think of 1790 majority, white people were not, there wasn't that many white people here. They flooded white people. Yeah. Yeah. They flooded, (laughs) they flooded America with European peasants. And then they gave those European peasants an economic base. This is how, like how the West was won and all that. This is what, this is what happened. And so when they did that, uh, that automatically put us at the, at, at the bottom of the socioeconomic rung. And that's what Put us in a minority cast. That's what put us in a in a minority cast. See, so they this is what I'm saying. They've consistently done things that would keep us from getting to, from getting to a certain point as a collective and as a group of people. They've locked us out of industries. Uh, look. The American middle class, the white American middle class, they didn't just magically one day decided that they were going to do this and pull themselves up by their bootstraps. The Amer- the white American middle class is a government creation through these government programs that was initiated with, with the New Deal. Early on, you mentioned projects earlier. Early on, public housing and projects were for white people. Many white people were just as broke as black people. The way these people be- got amassed all of this uh this wealth and this middle class status was through the programs that was implemented in the late 30s through the 40s that gave you the the american middle class idealism of the 1950s while Mm. at the same time locking out black people locking them out from from all of the industries from the automobile industry which was a which was major at that time from all these different manufacturing manufacturing jobs and many of the jobs that 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 uh that they could get were menial jobs that didn't pay any that didn't pay any real money. And so this is just the the history and the legacy and so what you can't do now is come back and blame black people for being born in a continuum that has that has has them uh, oriented at the bottom of the of the socioeconomic spectrum. It's a mass redistribution of wealth that has taken place in this country. The top 1% Yep. Uh, own and hoard all of the all of the resources, and and then they trickle it down. And but by, by the time it gets to us, there's nothing left.
2: Well, and, and I understand that. And, mm. and I guess what I'm going to say to you is this: even if that was the case, um, my my question is going to be, um, why whine about it? um, ultimately, mm. okay, fine. People are being unfair. They're not giving you a piece of the pie. They're not be giving you what you feel. Oh, owe, you owed, you, you feel you're owed. And, and here's the truth. It's never going to happen. White mm. people, you, white people will never hand over reparations. We will go to war first. That is an absolute fact. Number yes. two. Um, another thing I, I just kind of wanted to throw in out there. Okay there is a certain path that human beings take for, you know, you you start, if everybody does things, the the typical quote unquote, right way, you go to school, you then go to college, you then get a career, you then get married, you then have kids. Typically you'll have a pretty solid lifestyle. Now, Mm. so, so in that path, of, of getting things the way they should be. Uh, my question is going to be, where do you feel that black people are cut off? Because the same Pell Grant that I got, mm-hmm. the same student loans that I got, mm-hmm. um, you can get. And then number two, when I failed at certain things, I then came back and began uh, a long time ago being a entrepreneur and creator, uh, starting off with just podcasts and then became a YouTuber 12 years ago. And mm-hmm. I can tell you that seven out of them, 12 years, I made six figures, just someone with a crackhead as, as a mother. Mm-hmm. On my own with teardrops on my face and three tattoos, and now I live very, very comfortably in the in a, a suburban area. Uh, I I don't believe I got those things because I was white at all. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. me and you have the same opportunity to get to college, and we also have the same opportunity to get the knowledge and come on here on YouTube and generate our own wealth. Um, so ultimately I'm struggling to understand where where is where's the uh oppressive measures that hold people down why can't they do what i did and ultimately <clears> throat> even throat> if it was the case almost uh i guess i gotta say this and i'm not trying to come off as confrontational but the but the but the but the, the what you're gonna do about it question pops up in my head like like i understand there's a lot of whining mm-hmm. uh not, not, i'm not saying from you particularly i'm saying in general White people ain't giving us this. White people ain't giving us that. And then, okay, then when we strike back and kill you for Mm -hmm. being an an annoyance and a nuisance, then we're being uh, bad and we're we're killing unarmed blacks and all of this. No, we're telling you right off the jump. We're not giving you anything. And the more you talk about it and the more you annoy us, the more of you that's going to die. And you still are just crying. So my question is going to be number one: Why couldn't they do what I did? And then number two: What are black people going to do about it if they feel so beaten down? Let's go. Um.
4: Okay. Uh, you said, "What are they going to do about it?" Well, yeah. one thing. One thing that we're going to do is we're going to we're going to use our, um, you know, our economic dollars to to stymie the system. To disrupt the system same right. thing with the same thing with the political aspect um my personal philosophy is is if they take one then you take 10 and so you can take that for what it's worth that's my personal philosophy and and belief if someone takes one of mine then I'm going to take 10 of theirs that's a good and- strategy
2: because it's the only way blacks could win <laughs>
4: <is the seven laughs> right but 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 right. the thing the larger thing here is <clears throat> is that the powers that be they don't. They don't want that. So uh, it's something that that we're going to keep striving for through the, the political sphere, the economic avenues, and those things. Um, now, as far as you know, what you just mentioned about how you you know you got yourself to a certain position. Look, there there are brothers and sisters who do that every day in American life in American society. Um, you know, I, I I live a pretty comfortable life um and and i i can say yes it's my decision making but also too i i've understood ways that that i've been um that i've been uh disadvantaged because of because i'm because i'm black because i'm a black man the way i might be perceived uh you mentioned that earlier talking about the stereotypes the way that we're perceived in media um and so there there are ways that i've been i've been disadvantaged uh and this is you know a critical critical race theory these things that so even though something cannot be racist or racial in its uh in its creation or its implementation the outcome will still be racialized and the reason why the outcome is still racialized is because the larger societal economic and political context of America as we have as we know it and as we have known it is racialized like if you look at America as opposed to other European countries uh and they have their issues with entitlements and with social programs but it's it's not as stigmatized as it is here and the reason why it's not as stigmatized there as it is here is because those societies are homogeneous see there there, there is no uh racial racial class and caste system that exists in those countries so they're much more uh lax when it comes to social programs um, and, and these things. That's not true for America. For, for America, they've always had to contend with what we know of as the Negro problem. And the Negro problem has been treated as a political football. Now earlier you mentioned um, that uh, <laughs> that you were a conservative. Um, and, and what I find uh, hilarious about neoconservatives is that they're nothing more than liberals calling other liberals liberal. Um how do you how do you account for that? Because conservatives aren't really conservative. They're re- really what it is, they have racial ambivalence to 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 uh equality for black people in American society. That's how they came into being
2: now well mm-hmm. I'm struggling to understand what you mean conservatives are not conservative, but I will say this. Um, because the the thing about it is majority mm-hmm. of the people that I know particularly conservatives particularly white conservatives mm-hmm. uh, even black conservatives right. they rarely even discuss race they're not looking to hold anyone down they don't care right. uh, but e- but even if they um, were mm-hmm. right um we believe uh, totally and your freedom to do so uh, right. for instance like a bla- i'm going to give you an example a black barber shop or a soul food restaurant Mm-hmm. If you look at me and say a white dude don't know how to cook soul food or even if you're stereotyping and just, you know, being a complete, you know, jerk, mm-hmm. uh, that, that white dude don't know how to cut black hair, you know, So to us, you're entitled to that, right? right. And even if, you know, the, the stigma that uh, when it comes to us conservatives that it's racially motivated exists, right. mm-hmm. if you yourself say that whites are the dominant culture mm-hmm. the 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 dominant resource holders mm-hmm. then sh- then just to be honest then shouldn't we dictate where the resources go and if we if we decide mm-hmm. nope no blacks are getting it. Isn't that self-preservation? Because here's the thing. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. Like I said, I just told you how us whites actually don't have these conversations. We don't talk racially. We're typically talking about something completely different. However, on your end, uh, I did my my research, and and you're you're very racially motivated. Very you're a good portion of the co- conversations you have mm-hmm. stem around race. And and I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good right. thing. I'm just saying that. For us, it's not as big as you think. So the oppression of others really isn't something that takes into consideration. But even if we were to decide we want to preserve us white people, Mm -hmm. would that be, I mean, really, why is that a problem? What if we say we're going to keep all this for us? I'm sorry. America is not working for you. Uh, This Mm -hmm. is ours. We, We own everything. We have everything. We're the dominant culture as you just said. Mm. What if we decided we're not giving anymore? It's that simple. If you don't like it, I'm going to say the thing that everybody's going to say is racist. Mm. If you don't like it, we'll get you a a plane ticket out of here, but we're not going to give you anymore. Um, What if we say that? Um, Well, it's
4: the the reason why uh, they have acquiesced on, on certain things, certain concessions, is because that's unsustainable and the, and the policy makers and the, and the, uh, you know, the governmental agencies and under and and everything understand that it's unsustainable. You see, when you, when you, when you, you know, they say pressure bust pipes. And so what you, what you do is you turn that subjugated group into a powder keg in your own home. If you do that, you see, so that's not, that's not even an adequate strategy for continuity of government.
2: Ready to go. He he just that that Obama internet will get you every time. That Obama internet will get you every time. You can't you cannot listen, brother. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you, by the way, if you're listening. Uh, you cannot honestly tether your your your. your there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it does that every every. <laughs> you can't be you can't be tethering your computer to your to your Obama phone, brother. <laughs> no. <I'm> <laughs> <joking>. <laughs> Good.
4: Um. But uh like I was saying, that's it. you have a you you turn those people
2: Damn the white man silencing him, he's he's getting shut down. Help, help. Oh God, he's a good guy, man. This guy's a good guy. I actually I mean we we disagree on everything almost, but I have to give him credit. He is an awesome guy uh to talk to, at least i don't I don't dislike him. this is a good conversation. I don't know why
4: normally it just does that one time. Hold on, let me turn my okay I see yeah, but um but uh anyway, like I was saying, yeah, because then you turn those people into a into a um a powder cake in your own home now now, just to deal with with the 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 racial aspect of everything. Are you familiar with the Kerner Commission? No. Um, well, maybe perhaps you should read that because uh, you know, during the time of this great civil unrest, um, uh, you know, all these different and things were going on in the in the mid to late 60s and um, you know, in, in, in black communities, the urban area, uh, there was a commission that was that was put together to 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 find out why this was happening and what was going on and and the and the basis the basic uh conclusion they came to is because we're racist (laughs) now that's not me that's the current commission who said that they're the ones who said well the reason why these people are acting like this is because we're racist and we treat them like and we treat them like shit (laughs) because we're racist you see and so um that's what's going to happen like if you if you take if you take uh that avenue but um you know that's that's basically what it is. But again, the neo the, the neo aren't aren't really conservative. They they're liberal. They're they're liberals who became disaffected uh, with the Great Society legislation and uh, and and uh, and the political radicalism that was that was going on from their vantage point. Because uh, you know black people um, marching, having civil rights, and these different things to them that was radical. You see, so like that is the basis, the very foundation for neoconservatism as we know it. That's what neoconservatism is, but they're very much liberal. They don't believe in smaller government. Uh, They don't believe in in non-interventionist government. They go around nation, nation building police in the world acting as the moral authority for the planet when nothing could be further from the truth. Uh uh if you look at America's Are you
2: talking about Republicans or conservatives? Because there is a because uh, yeah, for, indi- for instance, I'm a conservative libertarian, bro. I mean, like I understand right. a lot of people think it's just the same as liberals are not the same as Democrats or Progressives. Right. So right, but right. I just wanted to throw that in there, man.
4: Yeah, right. yeah, I, I understand. Um yeah, but America look at I mean, if you look at the money that America gives out to these puppet dictators in the form of foreign aid. But we never hear we, we never hear uh, conservatives, neocons talk about that. Why is that? Why? Why? Why isn't that stigmatized as much as um, paying and repairing uh, black society for the for the, the the evils that have been been done against it? Repeat that again. I didn't,
2: I didn't hear that first half of that, the first
4: part. I, I said, why? Uh, why isn't foreign aid? To these oh. puppet dictators, as yeah. demonized and vilified as um, paying reparations to to black people who have been systemically, uh, you know, e- disadvantaged economically. Why is that?
2: Actually, I actually am against foreign aid and foreign entanglements of any kind. Actually, right. however, okay. however, um, remember, I'm uh, libertarians. Most of us, we um, we we like. I don't want. I don't want to help. Fund anyone. However, my thing here is that logic would say that they're getting more out of that expenditure mm-hmm. than they are of giving black people reparations. Like, I want you to understand there's nothing us white people that's in it for us.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: To give you reparations harms us. It and does not help
4: us. How right? does it harm? Let me help me understand the logic. How does it harm? How does it harm you?
2: Well, what is the number that you... Because remember, we're a country that's $22 trillion in debt. Right. Uh, what is the number that you believe reparations would cost? Hmm. I would say probably anywhere from a trillion to, to $2 trillion. Okay. Well, some of the numbers I've seen is about $14 trillion. And this is from people that, that broke down uh, what they believe reparations was. They added inflation. If it was just a trillion dollars... I'm mm-hmm. sure this reparation thing would have been handled a long time ago. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I don't think we would even still be having this discussion in 2019 if the debate was really just $1 trillion, or well, even two. Um, right. you know. Um, I So I, I think the numbers need to – there's things that need to be discussed. Now, I'm against any reparations at all. However, let, for it to even be on the table for discussion, We have to decide who's going to get it from who, how much it's going to be, and then how we're going to take and then distribute. Those are very difficult questions to get to. to, Number one, just making that determination would probably take decades.
4: Mm -hmm. Honestly,
2: I, I just don't. Go ahead.
4: I, I don't think so. I, I, I really don't think so. Um, I don't think it would it would it would be that uh, that hard of an effort. And look, America has paid reparations to to, to, to other groups that that they've committed. Um, you know, he was against. We're talking about the the, the Japanese internment. Yes. They they got reparations. Um, Native Americans they got a form of form of reparations and, oh. and those different different things. You see. So I, I mean, I I think it, I think what it is is they just lack the political will. And and uh, black people haven't been forceful enough, and um, and fomenting that.
2: Well, I'm actually going to add to that for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually going to add to your case on that. It could just be because we don't like you. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? You got to take that into consideration. (laughs) That we maybe just we maybe we just like the Japanese better. You know Uh, what I'm saying? Um, uh, (laughs) uh, and so (laughs) and so I'm not. (laughs) I know that sounds funny the way it's (laughs) coming out, but but in reality. At some point in time, yes, if you, if we're paying, if we paid reparations to everyone else and mm-hmm. we're looking at you and saying, nah, nah, no. You have to look at like, and I'll give you an example, an example of the, we'll ju- I, I don't, I don't, I don't, we'll just say loose woman stuff, mm-hmm. Loose, the loose woman that, that banged every guy in your school. And maybe she looked at you and was like, yeah, but not you. You know mm. what I'm saying? Right. At some point, you got to look in the mirror and say, how come everybody else got it but me? Well, mm. there's something about you that may just make us mad. It may just make us say, you know what? No, we're going to keep the boot on the neck. Mm. We'd rather not. And, and and so, yeah, we can sit and say that's wrong. That's bad. But, uh, and I'm not... And I'm not saying I dislike you more than I'm not saying I dislike you or I like the Japanese more than you (laughs) by any means. But the people that make these decisions may be saying that, and and sometimes you just got to accept it or go to war.
4: Right, I understand understand what you're saying on that point. Um, yeah, we've been on for an hour. I'm I'm gonna end it here because I I have I have to get ready for work and stuff like like that. So, yeah, but I appreciate you coming, you know, coming by and having a um a civil conversation, civil discussion anytime. Um, yeah, I think it was I think it was fruitful. It went, it went well, so I appreciate you.
2: No problem. Anytime, brother. I appreciate you. All right. Mm. Like
4: <clears throat> Yeah, so so you y'all see how how certain people think. <laughs> it's it's just, it's just funny. It's funny to me how uh you know how how they refuse to to acknowledge certain certain truths um, about the way this country is 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 uh, organized and situated, especially along so, the socioeconomics, economics. Um, you know the redistribution of wealth. Ronald Reagan was pivotal in that redistribution of wealth, redistributing the wealth from the you know from from the working class up to the top one percent. Um and then what they did they gave they gave all this credit created this credit economy credit cards financing vehicles financing homes when they don't really you know they don't they don't really have it like that either so they at the at the end of it all they're being duped too this is why they asses was was acting a fucking mess when uh, in 2008 when that when that um during that uh um that economic downturn most of the people who lost their money (laughs) was them. They, they, they robbed their 401k coffers, took their money and just ran off with it. See and, 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 and but they're willing to let that slide so long as they can engage in this in this psychological privilege of being white and somehow being better than better than black people. not looking at the larger context in which black people exist in, um, especially in these urban areas. you know how a lot of that is what's driving the behaviors that we see uh, being degenerate, being uh criminal is not endemic to is not endemic to black manhood or black womanhood these are people in um in an economic situation and in an urban environment where there isn't a lot of opportunities if you go and look at the unemployment rates in a lot of these areas it's through the roof especially for black men especially for black men we're talking double digit uh unemployment see there's a difference between unemployment and joblessness so you know I just I just wanted to you know give him a little work I didn't wanted to get you know go too deep with it go too deep and far too deep in the weeds with it because he probably wouldn't understand a lot of the stuff Um, and so uh, that's just basically what it is I'm glad y'all enjoyed it like share and subscribe I'm, I'm about to get off here cuz I got to get ready for work but y'all know what it is make black America great again or die trying and know what I'm gonna let something play before I go tell me what y'all think about it I'm I got something I'm working on so I'm gonna let it play and y'all just tell me leave leave y'all comments in the in the comment section trying to get this right hold on
3: Why do we fall? We are men, and perhaps the greatest question that has plagued our existence is why do we fall? The greatest philosophers have pondered this question only to conclude that its eventuality is inevitable. To err is human to fail is standard. Failure is the greatest qualifier of the human experience. For in its occurrence, we learn. We learn about the world, ourselves, and the nature of triumph. See, failure tests our memory, stretches our limits, and broadens our horizons. Without the agony of defeat, how can we fully appreciate the sweetness of victory, the satisfaction of the population? See, the mountaintop is merely symbolic of our journey. Our stumbles, falls, and setbacks remain in the obscuredness of the valleys of shadow. We fall for one very simple reason. We fall for instruction fall to learn how to stand and persevere when our mind body and soul has reached this breaking point we learn to dig deep and with every fiber of our being we soldier so let us rejoice in the failure of effort for therein lies immense understanding and as phoenix arises from the ashes, so do we arise from the flames of adversity, renewed, reinvigorated, and refined, as gold is refined within the crucible of the Though the countenance of our visitors may be marked with the ugliness of the trauma's long past, break forth with rejoicing as despair. Yields to, years to live. I mean, Therefore, let us not judge one another by the ice of which we sin, but rather by the depths in which we, we fall to become who we are. We fall to become great. We fall to become men. We fall. We fall. We fall. We fall. Fall to become we are destined
4: to be and fall simply. Second design, the creation of the uh, of the American middle class um a couple of days ago about a week ago yeah i think it was a week because that was tuesday this tuesday so it's been a week to the day um i uh i did a debate with jb gunner um and in that debate you know we the, the debate was was talking about entitlements hold on what's up Hanlon jones the debate was talking about entitlements and um you know during the course of that debate uh, you know the, the the conversation turned to to reparations and so you know his his basic standpoint which is the typical standpoint when we deal with that that particular type of individual was you know everything's equal what's up what's up Ken everything's equal um y'all don't need reparations You know you got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps you know that whole you know know, that whole spiel and so um i was just telling them how you know white people just didn't one day decide to pull themselves up by them bootstraps and then they amassed all of this wealth that's not that's not the way it went even though that's the way they try and portray it like especially a lot of these conservatives these neoconservatives the fact of the matter is is that is that the american middle class is a a government creation it's it's government subsidized um whether we're talking about the homestead act of eighteen sixty two which made all these public federal lands available to immigrants come immigrating from different places in europe uh whether we're talking about the creation of the g i bill uh the uh Federal Housing Administration, all these different, different avenues that was created to help undergird, uh, undergird whites. Uh, the fact is, in, in places like all through the Rust Belt of America, Indiana, uh, West Virginia, Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania, parts of Pennsylvania, there were entire homestead communities where this was these, these this was public housing. And that's what I was telling J.B. Gunner, because J.B. Gunner mentioned something about uh, the projects, because when we when we think about public housing, government sponsored housing, we think about the projects. But the fact of the matter is, is that um, the fact of the matter is, is that the public housing in this country was created for white people. That's what it was first created for. Um, as the you know, as the economy switched to from an agrarian centered economy to a, to a more industrialized um, economy, you had you had the creation of of mass production of factories, thanks to Henry Ford, uh, which which gave you the burgeoning um, automobile industry, um, re- the creation of the railroads, the steam engine, all these different industrial advantages, the creation of the elevator, which made skyscrapers and building buildings high into the sky more feasible and more plausible all these different things required a labor force it required a labor force and so they would you know if and, and, like if you go into detroit for example uh you know it was it was crowded it wasn't a lot of a a lot of housing it wasn't a lot of options so they created these this public housing government sponsored housing you had world war one world war two after world war two america experienced the greatest expansion of wealth known to man and then they redistributed that wealth along the lines of, of 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 race and white supremacy This is what has happened. So see at the same time that America was creating the American government was creating the American middle class. They were also creating the American underclass at the same time. It was a mass redistribution of wealth. And then you follow that up in the 1980s with voodoo economics coming from Ronald Reagan that redirected the wealth of this country, redistributed the wealth of this country back into the hands of, of the top one percent. And this is where we are today. This is why you the income equality is, is where it's at now. This is why the wealth gap is where it's at now. See, this is the history, this is the legacy. See, and this is a this is an economic continuum of maldistribution of resources that has uh you know pushed many. Black people to to poverty. See, and so when we think about welfare, we think about Section Eight, we think about SNAP benefits, we think about food stamps, all those different things. But the uh, uh, the fact is, is that you know, black people are not getting a majority of that because they're not a majority of the population. Now, it may be true they may be disproportionately represented. They are not the the prime uh they're not they're not the prime recipients of that they're not the prime group who's getting that see and and that's what i was telling jb Gunn in that debate well the reason why 44 percent of black households account for uh being on some type of entitlement as opposed to 13 percent of white families is because of the legacy (laughs) you see Y'all have re- redistributed and maldistributed mal- the resources, and then those people who you refuse to to include and rightfully distribute the resources equally, then you want to try and make it make it as if it's some moral failing. See, and this is this is what the where conserv- you know this whole conservative bullshit talking points about. Uh, black women, welfare, food stamps comes from. See, it's, it's 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 a mechanism to shift the blame, to shift the responsibility. And this is something I've heard Yvette Carnell talk about, and she's and she's right. Um it was the government that created the ghetto, therefore it's the government that should fix it. And that's and when you look at Martin Luther King's positions. That's basically where he was coming from. That's basically where he was coming from. Even when you talk about the whole group economics thing, it 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 it, it, it still pales in comparison to the types of resources that it would take to to rehab and repair many of these these areas. When you look at the deindustrialization that took place, the globalization that took place during the 60s, the creation of multi-conglomerate corporations, moving from mom and pop grocers and, and and butchers more to to wide to to large supermarket chains like Winn-Dixie, Kroger, Publix, see so the entire economy shifted. Um I'm going to I'm I'm gonna be joined tonight by my brother Dajan Israel, um, he's well versed on this topic. I have a couple of articles that I wanna I, I wanna read too and bring some information out of. <laughs> a lot of the source materials that I use for this is one uh, is a book that's called uh, "The Color of Law," and it goes in depth about the types of things that was done at the behest of the government that created uh, that created much of the. The problems we see when it comes to income equality in this country. Another another great book is uh, "American Apartheid: The Creation, the Making of of the Underclass." That's another good book that I like to come from. And so I'm interested to see what uh, what source materials he has to bring to the table. And like I said, see the, the the goal and the focus of what we're doing over here is to make our audience the most intelligent informed audience on social media. So then you'll know how to handle arguments like that coming from a JB Gunner. Because from what I understand the, the Fellow one of the Fellow members, you know, she 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 stepped in the ring with JB Gunner, you know. <laughs> she stepped in the ring with, with JB Gunner, you know, to do some intellectual fisticuffs. And from what I heard and from what I saw myself, she didn't really fare well at it. She didn't really fare well. See, it's it's a difference between knowing that it's white supremacy and articulating the nuances and the intricacies of white supremacy and how it operated and functioned to create this. See, and and see, that's something that takes research and reading to comprehend, to grasp, and then to, to process and then be able to come back and articulated and many of these individuals can articulate it. It's white supremacy. White people did this, white people did that. And really what we're talking about, we're talking about government. We're talking about the government, government intervention. See white supremacists are not non interventionist government. They very much believe in the intervention of the government when it's in service of white supremacy. But when when it's in the service of equality and when it's in the service of fairness, that's what they have a problem with. So when they say non-interventionist government, that's what they're talking about. That's what they mean. All right, so um, I'ma bring my brother Dejan on. uh Chaos, I'ma send you the link. <laughs> hey, what's up, brother? What's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm doing pretty good tonight.
0: That's what's up. I'm ready for this conversation. I'm ready to um have an enlightening, very fruitful conversation on this topic because this is a topic that I've been doing diligent research on myself, and it seems as though a lot of our people, like you stated earlier, a lot of mm. people don't know how to articulate um white supremacy. They want to say, "Well, white supremacy doing this, white supremacy doing that," but they don't know how to properly articulate the um conversation. So, right. like, what we're gonna do tonight is definitely um give them some like resources, get them some, some diligent resources, a peer review, academic research, where they can Mm -hmm. go and search it for themselves. So when Mm -hmm. white supremacists come at them with this type of logic, they can go, they can easily refute their statements.
4: Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, um, why, why don't we do this before we delve deeper to the topic? Why don't you just give... You know, give the the listeners and the people a little bit about your background. Um, I mean, this isn't your first time being you know being on a um on a platform, although it has been a while. But just tell people a little bit about yourself and you know and and uh, a little bit about your background and stuff like that.
0: Well, I'm Dejan Israel. I mean, I'm an open book. I don't hide nothing, anything. And I mean, I've been doing my research since I was a teenager. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I'm 29, going on 30 now. So I've been doing my research for a while and. On racism, on Black history, and and I, me myself, I was personally um, like enlightened by books such as "The Color of Law," "When mm-hmm. Affirmative Action Is White," which is really one of my favorite books, and also going to be coming out of how white folks got so rich as well, because okay. we think that inherited all this wealth through merit, hard work, dedication, but that could, couldn't be no further from the truth, because a lot of Incentives were given to white folks to ascend into the American middle class, including today. There's even um, multimillion dollar corporations that are still receiving um, corporate welfare, receiving um, mm-hmm. incentives through the government. So white folks thinking that white folks actually pull actually their stuff up by their bootstraps is very absurd and think. And us black people, we tend to, We've been taught self hatred for so long that we tend to internalize these factors when it, it couldn't be any further from the truth because we were systematically excluded from a lot of these incentives mm. that were given to white folks.
4: Exactly. Exactly. And this is something that you hear routinely coming from sisters um but black men don't do this black men don't do that but the fact of the matter is is that when we talk about pro- provision and protection it's a it's a group phenomenon with the with the with the men with the group of men groups of men pro- provide and protect and then you know they they distribute or redistribute uh those provisions you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and this is what has it's uh up. what has happened in america even when you look at uh the nuclear family this post um post-war American ideal of you know middle class living in the nuclear family structure with the the mother, the father. The father is the one that works and, and puts the food on the table. The mother's a stay-at-home mother living the June Cleaver thing. But what we have to understand is that that is that is uh what America portrayed about itself through the media, through programs like Leave It to Beaver and all these different things. But mm-hmm. that's that's not that's not the reality. And especially Um, For black people, it's not the reality, especially for us, because the fact is, is that sisters have always been a part of the labor force um, in the American society. They worked as domestics in the homes of these well to do uh, middle class white men. Um, and, And the fact is, is that due to racialized union politics, many brothers couldn't get the high paying jobs at that time. That was that was uh, that was in a in a labor market, so they would they would have to rely on menial jobs, whether it's being a being a trash collector, being a janitor, you know, unskilled labor, the 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 uh, the lowest paying jobs. In the labor force is unskilled labor that's the worst position you want to be in when it comes to the labor exactly. force is because it's the most expendable mm-hmm. and it's the it, it gets paid the least and so black men were locked into that role especially in uh in places like detroit uh indiana um new york all these different metropolitan industrialized um societies and societies and, and areas uh we talk about world war one world war two everybody knows about the creation of the gi bill and mm-hmm. these brothers were systematically excluded from the gi bill which is what helped to create uh the america this this american middle class see and, the, and 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 this is the economic continuum this is the economic train um train that we can follow why don't you 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 uh come out of come out of some of your sources and and in delve into that a little bit and give the audience okay, some, most some of your sources on it.
0: most definitely um first I would like to go back to the homestead because I see you mentioned the homestead act right the homestead Act was established it was passed by Congress in, on May of 1862 and this, this my sources is from the world encyclopedia 2014 mm. page 304. It mm-hmm. says the Homestead Act was passed by Congress in May of 1862. It supplied any U.S. citizen over 21 who was the head of a family the opportunity to own 160 acres of free land if he or she inhabited the land for five years and improved it, or the inhabitant could obtain the land by paying $1.25 an acre if he or she lived in it for six months and improved on. It, it, it attracted the Homestead Act attracted thousands of settlers to the West. From 400,000 to 600,000 families acquired new land and homes between 1862 and 1900. See, a lot of um, resources were allocated to these white families. A lot of them were European mm. peasants from Europe, like yep. Dr. King said in, one, in his speech in the small church in Mississippi. So a lot of them were given handouts of free land while black people were still enslaved. A lot of them were still enslaved. They mm. weren't even considered citizens until. 1866, Civil Rights Act of 1866. So, Hmm. and a lot of these farmers really didn't know how to farm. So, the Morrill Land Grant Act of 1862 provided government grants to build colleges to teach agriculture and and mechanics to homesteaders. And it was named after Justin Smith Morrill. And the money from the sale of the land was utilized by some states to build new schools while other states transferred money over to existing states or private schools to establish agriculture and mechanical schools. And also I didn't know this is the first time I learned about you learn a lot by reading the encyclopedia. Right. This, I learned that military training led to the creation of the RLTC tr- military training programs. Did you
4: know that? Mm. No, I didn't know that.
0: Yep. It, it led to the creation of a military training. That's where you get the RLTC programs from. And these um AM schools they built. Through the Morrill Land Grant Act of 1862. And Dr. King also touched on how um, millions of these people are getting millions of dollars in federal subsidies, not the farm. And that was through the Agricultural Adjustment Act of 1933. That was an act to improve the earnings of of American farmers. They subsidized farmers to to destroy certain crops because there was an overproduction of crops that was going on around that time due to the fact that Europe. Had um, basically didn't have a high demand of crops anymore. So in order to um, prevent far- white farmers from um, having an overproduction of crops, and they literally destroyed certain crops, and they were mm. subsidized, subsidized by government to destroy those crops.
4: Right. Um, yeah. This like these are these are the types of of things that 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 were done. And and, and as I stated. While at the same time they were giving these European peasants, these poor whites, a hand up and a leg up, lifting them up into into what we know of, know of as the American middle class, uh-huh. uh, they were at the same time excluding black people, which which was creating the the American underclass. Like this is where it, this is where it comes yeah. from. You see, this is where it comes from. Now, what I want to do, I'm gonna put my screenshot on because I, I I pulled up a, a, a article. On um, on the GI Bill and, and 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 the way it was racially implemented to exclude black soldiers. Now th- now these soldiers are are men who went and fought and died on foreign shores and foreign lands for America for for this American ideal of the American dream, while at the same time being excluded themselves from the American dream. This is who these soldiers were. Why you have sisters today in 2019 who make absurd assertions? What have black men done? Black men haven't done this. Black men, black men haven't done that. See, because what's what's happened? One thing the dominant society has been good good at is driving a wedge between the house slave and the field slave. And we all know the famous quote from from Malcolm X about the house slave and the field slave. But what we don't acknowledge is that this was a gender, a genderized dynamic because most of your domestic slaves were female. Most of the field slaves were the males. See, that's what it was and what they would do. They would incentivize certain things for the, for the, for the domestics, for the house slaves to ingratiate them mm. to the power system and to the to the power apparatus and the power structure.
0: And wow. I, I like to I like to add Go ahead. and I like to add on to that point because during the Great Migration, a lot of Black men had difficulty finding work, and um, like you stated earlier, unless it was a, a menial job as a janitor or custodian or um, a trash collector, and so forth. And women were wh- Black women were getting jobs as domestics. They were also bring home food to to their family so it, it it caused a lot of internal conflicts between the wife okay. and the husband which and that that sort of caused the black man to desert the home to go find work i mean although i'm not excusing him for doing that right but i mean internal strife and poor working conditions led yeah. him to desert his home or it, it also caused domestic conflict as well because he couldn't be the right. breadwinner of the home so these sisters got it these sisters got to understand that like black men were put in such a position to where they couldn't even like provide financially for the home right
4: yeah that's what that's that's um that's just facts (laughs) you know what i'm saying that's facts and see this is why i was uh, sunday i was talking about how when white women were talking about throwing off the oppressive patriarchy they weren't talking about black men Mm-hmm. The, the, the idea of the oppressive patriarchy is what black women would consider the men providing and protecting because the, mm-hmm. the, because white men unilaterally dominated every system and apparatus of control of the American society. You see, which yeah. which uh, which subordinated and put their women in a, in a subservient position to white men. See, this is this goes back to the, the, that whole nuclear family family structure I was talking about, which which is actually an aberration of typical family structures because of the, the because of the advent of industrialization of industrialized living. But like I was stating before, these things are very much genderized. See, and so you incentivize the domestics to a certain extent. You give them certain liberties while disproportionately oppressing the field The field labor, which is the same thing as unskilled labor in today's society. And what you do is you create, you create, you create a schism. You create an imbalance. You create an imbalance. This idea or this notion that, that black men have somehow oppressed black women. Couldn't be anything further from the truth because there, there hasn't been any law passed by black men putting black women in a subordinated state. This is something that was particularly, uh prevalent in the city centers in the industrialized city centers precisely because it was easier for women to get work in these in these corporations and and businesses and things like that than it was the men there was there's an automatic gender asymmetry that exists in the cities where the women outnumber the men and when the women outnumber the men that ramps up the sexuality it ramps up the sexuality because now the women have to compete Mm-hmm. and they're going to compete with sex see so this yeah. these this is how these things work and operate like I've, I've i've stated before we're talking about segregation jim crow whatever you want to call it these things were a form of quarantine social economic and political quarantine the way the, the mm-hmm. way the layout the way the country is laid out spatially we're more segregated than we've ever been and what they do they understand that if they can spatially segregate the country maldistribute the resources create an environment where the women outnumber the men then it's going to cause certain realities in our environments. it's going to create and, and so what's yeah. going to happen in order for people to adapt to the environment they're going to engage in behaviors and if they engage in those behaviors for generation to generation it becomes a habit then oh, yeah. that habit over the course of a couple of generations it becomes culturized where now it's a part of the cultural norm the way things are just done see so when you look at the out-of-well-life child rate when you look at the multiple partner fertility rate these things are more symptomatic of what i just what i just laid out but let me get to this article um let me see it said how the gi bill i know y'all should be y'all y'all can see that right it says how the gi bill's promise was denied to a million black world war ii veterans the sweeping bill promised prosperity to veterans, so why didn't the black Americans benefit? What have black men done? So you know I'm saying, why while you, while you're sitting here walking around enjoying the very wealth and safety and security that's afforded by the American society, by the American ideal that black men fought and died for. But talking about what have black men done? See, because you got to realize definitely. like at this time this wasn't no choice see the back back during this time there was a draft it was a it was a draft during this time so you had to go to war <laughs> you know what i'm saying you had to go to war
0: so these brothers didn't have and then, a choice. um <clears throat> go ahead and then speak and then speaking on the war um a lot of these black men were migrating up north due to the fact that um there was a labor shortage and, and the fact was due to a lot of men getting drafted off in World War One, World War II. So they needed labor to compensate for the men that had left off in the war. So that's why a lot of black men had migrated up north. They were even paying families to migrate up north from right. the south. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it, it was a lot of things that were going on around that time. And then, like stated early, like black men were getting drafted off in the war. And then when they were coming back, they were coming back home to still substandard housing, substandard mm-hmm. education because the GI Bill excluded them from getting a lot of education. It excluded them from um from VA loans where they could purchase homes where, where white families were um incentivized through that. You know what okay. I'm saying? So th- this this whole thing was systematically set up for black men to uh, be a support.
4: Exactly, exactly. And, 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 and that's not black men's fault. That's not their fault. But let me read this. It says... When Eugene Burnett saw the neat tract houses of Levittown, New York, he knew he wanted to buy one. It was 1949, and he was ready to settle down in a larger home with his family. The newly established Long Island, Island suburbs seemed like the perfect place to begin their post-war life, one that he hoped would be improved with the help of the GI Bill, a piece of sweeping legislation aimed at helping World War II veterans like Burnett prosper after the war. But when he spoke with the salesman about buying the house using a GI Bill guaranteed mortgage, the door to suburban life in Levittown slammed firmly in his face. The suburb wasn't open to black residents. It was not as though it wasn't real, Burnett's wife Bernice recalled. Look at this. Hold on. My oh, place. Hold on. Why is this thing moving? All right, let me see. Shit. Okay, here it is. Look at this house. Can you imagine having this? And then for them to tell me because of the color of my skin that I can't be a part of it. They did civil rights because they wanted white women. That's the only reason why they did it. <laughs> <laughs> when you say stuff like that, it lets me know you haven't read. You need to sit your ass down and go read, man. That's just that's all it is to that. <laughs> it says <laughs> the Burnett's weren't the only black americans for whom the promise of the gi bill turned out to be an illusion though the bill helped white americans prosper and accumulate wealth in the post-war years it didn't deliver on that promise for veterans of color in fact the wide disparity in the bill's implementation ended up driving ended up ended up helping drive growing gaps in wealth education and civil rights between white and black americans going back to the spatiality of the country the way the country is laid out see they can they see they can uh, segregate a, uh, segregate a black neighborhood put substandard schools in there you know you see what i'm saying redirect businesses from there major businesses that can that can give good paying jobs and then it's going they can create certain realities in our environment this is how it works Mm-hmm. this is how it works why like you got stupid negroes in 2019 we was better off with, with, with jim crow
2: <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
4: we need to go right back under jim crow because then we gonna build we're gonna we, we then we go we gonna we're gonna practice black economics and all this
0: stupid man because they don't understand go ahead and the thing about, <laughs> about it, say- a lot of them a lot of them they, they start to internalize like i stated earlier they start to internalize a lot of these tropes because like you said, mm-hmm. first they don't read. For number one, they don't research, and they <laughs> and and they've been so intern they internalized and been ingrained with self hatred that they start to repeat these white conservative talking points that is completely absurd and preposterous. If you ask mm-hmm. me, and and the thing is, is like, okay, we are going back to build Black Wall Street for them to come and destroy the shit again. That's that's, that's exactly. my whole thing. Like, and then you had the world. Well, we we could have had a military. You know, you know, like. How are we gonna compete with their military? First of all, we're not even organizing the people, so that we can go ahead and throw that shit in the water. To be honest, right? And then, right. and then, like with, with segregation, um, a lot of black businesses and black banks were failing due to the fact that they were undercapitalized around that time. I mean, we could right. bring up Black Wall Street and romanticize the shit all day, but the point remains that due to the undercapitalization of, of these businesses and stuff, a lot of them were one man show. They they would they didn't have enough money. Even Black Wall Street was was were mainly sole proprietorship businesses, and while majority of the population, the Black population, was working for the oil industry in Tulsa, and that's facts.
4: Right. Yep. <laughs> yes, yeah, and and that's what they do. They they point to a few exceptions that 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 goes against um that goes against the norm. Man, it's just uh, hold on one second. Hold on. I think it's chaos. <laughs> no, nah, he ain't up here yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they'll, they'll point to a few exceptions like black wall streets, which is, you know, I'm like, all right, whatever, <laughs> but let me finish reading this. It says fear of black advancement. When lawmakers began drafting the GI bill in 1944, some Southern Democrats feared that returning black veterans would use public sympathy for veterans to advocate against Jim Crow laws, to make sure the GI bill largely benefited white people The Southern Democrats drew on tactics they had previously used to ensure that the New Deal helped as few Black people as possible. You don't need to vote. How you gonna vote yourself out of white supremacy? How you gonna see? They don't understand. See, these individuals do not understand how the powers and the levers and the apparatuses of control of the American society.
0: Exactly. This is why this, yeah, is, this is why
4: they come with this stupid ass separationist doctrine. As if these people have to be integrated with you to harm you.
0: They exactly. don't have to
4: be integrated to
0: harm you. You moral they, they And the thing about it was they was harming us during segregation too. That's why a lot of us had to flee the south to go up north cuz due to terrorism exactly. of the Klan.
4: Exactly. Exactly. So that so that's what I'm saying. So so what you what you do you Advocate for the right to have your representation because we the form of government we have is representative government. So you advocate for the right to have your representation in the halls, in the in the halls of power, with, with where the apparatus of control of the American society and the economic pie of America is divvied up. So now mm-hmm. you have an advocate there. So when the, so when these Southern Democrats go to do that, you have a check against it, pawn for pawn. Mm-hmm see this this is what niggas love saying uh, um it ain't it ain't chess. it, it ain't checkers. this chess but the, never mind the fact that these niggas don't know how to play chess <laughs> I stop, saw trying that to stop trying to put, sit here and pretend like you so like you all so strategic and forward-thinking <laughs> your black asses are reactionary exactly your reaction then, like you don't
0: think yep, past, the, past the tip of your damn nose go ahead you bear, i mean talking about we reactionary we're trying, we need to be revolutionary i mean well, what weapons from where for number one weapons right. and resources in the military from where and then the fact remains is that like black people we, we tend to um we tend to listen to a lot of what these these dusty niggas in the conscious community tell us and a lot <laughs> of them are very pseudo as hell Shit, they, they act yeah. like
4: they they flunk they preschool <laughs> half the time. <laughs> yeah, man. So, and, and then you're you trying to explain this to them, and 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 it's like they don't get it. They think you're you're, you're cooning, or you just want to be around white people. It's not about that. You see what I'm saying? It's not about that. But you have to you have to have your own mechanism in place to blunt their institutional systemic racism. That is common sense. So they'll say, Well, we had at one point in time, we had our own, we had our own baseball league. We could have our own leagues. Okay, so you got your own league, but they still control the taxes, they still control the Congress, they still control the local politics. So then all Mm -hmm. they gotta do is just tax your ass out of existence. Yeah.
0: That's all they gotta do. Exactly. And being black and proud is not good enough. I'm, I'm tired of people talking I'm, I'm black peace and black power that's not what what power seems like right. you only want to focus on the black part you don't want right. to focus on no power exactly It's like see, what h- Go ahead go ahead and h- and h- and h rap brown said if they can get you to um think um culturally then you ain't got to move mm, mm
4: that's deep and because you know I, I was thinking about it and and let's just be honest and just put it out there Black power politics have been an abject failure in in, in black society. It's been an abject Mm -hmm. failure. Like, they haven't gotten anything done. At least Martin Luther King was able to get laws passed. But all these pro blacks, all these Negroes do is start internet beefs. And that's it start internet internet (laughs) beefs, make documentaries, and sell merch. That's it. You're not getting anything done. You see what I'm saying? You're not getting anything done, but let me finish reading. Right. It says, during the drafting of the law, the chair of the House Veterans Committee, Mississippi Congressman John Rankin, played hardball and insisted that the program be administered by individual states instead of the federal government. Remember I was talking about that Sunday? Mm-hmm. Like, see this, this is why they always talking about smaller government, smaller government. The federal <laughs> government, the, the, uh, Alex Jones, like Tariq, be saying, la, 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 la. the federal government, the globalists. See, because every sea change that has taken place in this country along the lines of race has came at the hands of the federal government. See, because the mm-hmm. federal government is bound by its international politics, by the by its international treaties of trade, and so because in the in in, in the wake of World War One and World War Two, America came from out of Great Britain's shadow and became a superpower
3: mm-hmm.
4: in order to wield that political capital on a, on, a, on a global front. They had to have all things appearing as equal and fine in their own home. You can't go policing Cuba for its human rights violations, or Korea or China, or whatever, whatever other country it is for their human rights violations, and you have the and you have your own going on in your own home. And then before and, and, and two, we've got to understand is that the advent of media during this time, because now you had the the advent of the television. See? And so when Martin Luther King and him would go on these nonviolent protests in this in this racist cop in the South beat beating your ass, if you fight back, when that when that image is broadcast is broadcast throughout the media and, 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 and goes into these other countries. If if both of y'all fighting, they don't know who's wrong. See, mm-hmm. they ain't gonna know. When when a, when a fool and a wise man argue, all lookers wonder who the fool is. But if you use nonviolent resistance to put America's evil on Front Street, then that makes it much harder for America to 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 wield its newfound political capital in an international uh politics
0: in an international
4: thing- <clears throat> body politic. Go
0: ahead. And the thing is, with the nonviolent protests, a lot of people get the preconceived notion that they were just some old passive nonviolent pumps that just allow white people to do them any kind of way. You, be, you right. be, trust and believe a lot of them civil rights activists were heavily armed. If you, if yeah. you read the book um, Negroes with Guns and this, mm-hmm. non, how, why this nonviolent stuff would get you killed, it, it would it um, further elaborate summarize on the fact that they were heavily armed. So people need to get that, get it out of their mind that right. they were just some pumps that's allowed white folks to do them any kind of way.
4: Right. And, and and see, so so the federal government is has always been constrained by the international politics in a way that the states aren't. See, so this is this is the pressure point where you see states' rights versus the federal government. Because the federal the federal government, at least for appearance sakes, they have to be operate, they have to appear to be operating above board. So you can't have open Jim Crow if you if you sitting here trying to trying to broker with another country and you're going to use their their human rights violations as a point of leverage to get to to get them to capitulate to what whatever you want them to do. You can't do that if, if, if you if you're practicing open racism in your home in your home country because that nullifies your advantage that nullifies your political leverage. See, this is the way the power apparatus works. But you can't tell niggas that because they're stupid. All right, let me finish reading. He got his way. Rankin was known for his virulent racism. He defended segregation, opposed interracial marriage, and had even proposed legislation to confine, then deport every person with Japanese heritage during World War II. All right, hold on. This thing is scrolling. okay. Wait, no, I just read that. All right, hold on. It says, when the bill came to a committee vote, he stonewalled in an attempt to gut another provision that entitled all veterans to $20 a week of unemployment compensation for a year. Rankin knew this would represent a significant gain for black southerners, so he refused to cast a critical proxy vote in protest. The American Legion ended up tracking down the congressman who had left his proxy vote with Rankin and flying him to Washington to break the deadlock. Roosevelt signed the Servicemen's Readjustment Act into law on June 22, 1944, only weeks after the D-Day offensive began. It ushered into law sweeping benefits for veterans, including college tuition, low-cost home loans, and unemployment insurance. And these things were, uh, were kept... From those black soldiers, they were kept from black soldiers. Why now you and now you want to tell you you want to tell black people pull themselves up by them bootstraps? Y'all don't need reparations. I think y'all have the same opportunity. You've never you you've never made right for what you did. That's the point. So that this is the this is just exactly. the economic the economic continuum that we're in today. Yeah. So
0: you've, and, nev- and, and you've and never you never made t- you've never made it made it right. Go ahead. And then, due to the fact of our ignorance of politics, we think politics is just voting. But po- everything we do in our lifetime is politics. Whether you paying for gas prices, I mean, whether you um, like organizing to um, to get rid of um, like for hold on for housing, um, anything you you participate in a political move every single day. So people need to um th- stop thinking that politics is just vote. I mean, then not hold fuck up your car in the community because you're not participating in local politics. And right. And right. politics was the reason why politics was the reason why Franklin Delano Roosevelt with the um Service Readjustment Act or the GI Bill, he he assigned the, the allocation of those resources to to racist Southern Democrats. And they determine who got the um, incentives of the GI Bill. And I would like to read um, When Affirmative Action Was White Okay. by Ira Katznelson. i like to read an excerpt from that book on page 139. It states, blacks also were regularly denied access to the loans that the GI Bill promised. Because that's when the GI Bill um, and the, F at the Federal Housing Administration they the ones that um, collaborated with the VA to issue these loans out to um, returning soldiers. Right. It says the federal government did not make loans of this or any o- other kind directly. Rather, the Veterans Administration guaranteed them. In consequence, prospective borrowers had to convince banks to lend, and the vast majority of financial institutions refused to approve loans to African Americans. Black veterans were turned down because they lacked sufficient capital of their own did not have established credit ratings and lived in neighborhoods thought not to be locations for reliable investments and we're going to touch later on how the home owners loan corporation had created color-coded maps to determine what areas Mm -hmm. were great for investment and what areas were financial risk for investment right They also were refused loans for nakedly racist reasons targeted as being high risk candidates. An irate black veteran in Corpus Christi, Texas, who had informed the NAACP that financial bankers of the GI Bill have so divided locations and placed restrictions on certain areas that as it is, no Negro veteran is eligible for a loan. Asked the GI home loan representative at the city's largest bank to explain why a Negro veteran cannot obtain aid under this provision, same as a white. He reported that the answer that came back is it is almost impossible for a colored man to get a loan. These impediments were not confined to the South. In New York and in northern Jersey, New Jersey suburbs, fewer than one hundred of sixty seven thousand mortgages insured by the GI bill supported home purchases by non-whites. See, it was systematically set up for black Mm -hmm. people to be supporting Mm -hmm. in in the housing industry as well. While a lot of these white veterans were were receiving loans and and ascending up to the American middle class when coming back from the war.
4: Exactly. exactly. While, While at the same time, excluding black men who fought, died, bled on these foreign shores for for America, and then came home and were treated as less than men, less than, less than human, less than American. This is the legacy of the black man's burden within the Anglo-American context. And in today, in 2019, what you have is you have the outsourcing of anti-black male rhetoric that sisters have, many sisters have adopted and picked up. The loudest voices who talk about the ineptitude, the ineffectualness, the ineffectiveness of black men are sisters. And the, and see, the reason why sisters have this liberty to talk the way they talk is because they've been uh, they've been sheltered from many, much of that. You see what I'm saying? Like, you, sisters didn't have to go fight on foreign shores. You see oh, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't have to face down the germans or or these different things even when you look at vietnam dealing with agent orange and these different things and 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 what you hear coming from these particular women is things like divest from blackistan you know and and What it is, is these are groups of women who refuse to take personal responsibility and accountability for their, the the choices of association that they've made. Because as I stated, there's no law anywhere forcing you to deal with a, to deal with the black man who's on some bullshit. If you've done that, you did that on your own, period. Mm -hmm. You did that on your own. So you, it's not fair for you to come back and try and lay that at the feet of the community of uh, community of black men. See, I talked about this earlier on Facebook. Black men for the most part don't have their accompli- their accomplishments acknowledged. When you look at Robert Smith when he paid off those those brothers uh college college debt, all these females, could, females could talk about was was who he's sleeping with.
1: Well, they would they would be saying that if he paid off um their debts.
4: Yeah, yeah, if he, if he, if he paid the, the the back child support for your sorry ass baby daddy, you wouldn't have been saying that exactly so think of that psychology man like and then we wonder why why things are the are the way they are when it comes to to black men and black women in in, in america where you have this 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 profound uh schism and, and misogyny and misandry that's prevalent you see what i'm saying but the fact of the matter is, is whenever I, whatever i said about black men i've never i've never blamed the condition of black men on black men you've never heard me say that see you've never you've never heard me say things like that because i understand i i understand i understand the effects of white supremacy and the and in, in the amount of pressure is it exerts on black men
0: like like i said and my, they, my they, father but well, go ahead go ahead Dion. And then and then speaking on black men, like their, their inadequacy when it comes to financial resources and also in, in the inner cities, a lot of these jobs were um, sent overseas. They went through deindustrialization. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, a lot of these jobs were sent overseas or they were sent to the suburbs where a lot of black men didn't have like access to transportation. So right. a lot of them lost their jobs around that time. So, I mean for him not being able to provide. And then after that, you know that the CIA dropped crack in the black community and mm-hmm. that further decimated the community to where the black man, either, well, I, I go sell drugs to feed my family. Or, I mean, that those are things that, those are the realities of what happened. And then we say, well, I mean, not, tr- not trying to condone drug dealing, but at the same time, like, I mean, the Italians and the Irish were selling drugs and stuff during the time of prohibition, even before then. Cause they were the poor they were the european immigrants the main poor during the late 1800s and the early 1900s so they they were participating in the same shit that they tried to keep black men of doing when right. the heroin was dropped in the 60s and the 70s in the black community as well but i mm-hmm. felt as though the whole crack epidemic further decimated and demolished the black milk
4: right yeah and and because uh, I was talking about this the other day, I'm going to finish reading because I'm going I'm to show what I was talking about when I was talk when I was having that debate with with J.B. Gunner. Um, it says black veterans and civil rights groups protested their treatment, calling for protections like black involvement in the V.A. and non-discriminatory loans. But the racial disparities in the implementation of the GI Bill had already been set into motion. Now, I talked about that. See, this is the social inertia. That exists because these things have already been set in motion. Critical race theory. See, so now if they like say if they if they implement a program today, and it can it cannot be racial in in, in its formation or its implementation, but the outcomes will still be racialized because of the history. Because because the, 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 the the overarching context is racism. So the dis- so the disparity will be in the outcome. See, and that's what I was telling JB Gunner. See, we really read over here, man. We really know what we be talking about over here. You see, what I'm saying. We really see. We 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 understand it. We go on the sources, and, and the sources saying the same thing we saying. Because we don't and just be running is. our fucking mouth, listening to other uh, other fake pro-black scholars. What you about um. to say, Dijon?
0: no, no uh, I, I think the other brother was trying to speak all that the other brother what was you saying brother what did, did i say
1: yeah be a correction um, i mean i heard earlier in the stream mm. um henry ford did not make no manufacturer plants he got that idea with assistance with george washington carver
4: no what i'm saying is he what 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 ford is known for is the is the idea of the assembly line
1: with the
4: help of George Carver, mm-hmm. he got it when um, Okay, the well, I mean, there. I I understand all that, but that's, that's, that's what that's, new. that's what he's known for. He's known for the mass. The, because before, when they would put automobiles together, it would take it would take a lot of time to put an automobile together because it was it it was they like they could only put one together at a time. So he's uh, known for mass manufacturing. I mean, that's just what it is, chaos. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I understand he, everything you're saying. Yeah, yeah, mass <laughs> manufacturing. <laughs> and we want to go back the that, and
1: we help him that. We don't want to just give him a press.
4: Yeah, what, what, because, you know, it was, it was George Washington uh,
1: Carver uh, who made yeah, right. who created the, the soybean. But right. right. i came across this information, so uh-huh. that I had to be correction. I don't want people to visit this, that you talk because it's come out AFM blue. No, they, they still get assistance from people. And they only put their face
4: to the real person that
1: helped them, you
4: know, got their shit, but let's move on. Okay. Um, let me see. Okay. Let me finish reading. It says, but the racialized disparities in the implementation of the GI bill had already been set into motion. As the years went on, white veterans flowed into newly created suburbs where they began amassing wealth and skilled positions, but black veterans lacked those options. The majority of skilled jobs were given to white workers. The only reason why they protested is because they wanted white women. That's it. They didn't want to take care of their family. All they wanted to do just, is, is just fuck us and, and not provide for their kids. You see what I'm saying? Man, shut, shut your asses up because see what it is. You want to come on YouTube and Dr. Russell talks about this. The isolation effect that many sisters feel from their black men. But but that that ain't our goddamn problem, sis. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, so you don't get to come and project your anger at, at at the nigga you let bounce up and down on your fucking belly, and then want to take it and, and put it and 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 you want to retroactively put put ain't shitness on black men too. Hell out of here, man. So so because the nigga you you had a jones info fuck that you knew wasn't worth two cents. So now all all black men throughout the annals of history ain't been shit. Shut y'all goddamn asses up. See what I'm saying? This is the history. This is the history, and the fact of the matter is, is because sisters continue to validate the men they're complaining about, they're going to keep getting the men they're complaining about.
0: I mean, and then um, the black man. It. Go ahead. And the thing is, the black, then the black man being hypersexualized that goes back to around the time of slavery or after slavery, where the brute caricature, where the black man was seen as being hyper sexualized and yeah, not are talking about that can't keep can't keep his thing in his pants i mean all that goes mm-hmm. back to slavery i mean in addition to the jezebel character where the black woman is loose and all that and right and promiscuous but, and but you know what
4: you know what Dijon? the fact is we have we have a segment of black society that relishes in those stereotypes and acts out and acts out those stereotypes yep mm-hmm See, because exactly. because these things like uh, many sisters will pretend like these these types of brute savages are, are are the men in the community and and every other man because he ain't doing that he's somehow feeling as being a man. Mm-hmm. See, because what it is, many of these sisters are derelicting their femininity. That's you see what I'm saying? Like they're derelicting their femininity. So you so you so you would try and pedestalize the only types of the only types of men. You can attract, and, and it just so happens the only types of men you can attract are underdeveloped, non-successful, bum men. And that's, that's just what, that's the only thing, conclusion I can draw from, from your rhetoric. That's it. If if, if if you've gone through your life and, and haven't met a, a, a good brother who's willing to do do the things that a man has traditionally done for a woman, it's either you need to A, get out of your local community, or it's you. Because I work with brothers that's doing what they're supposed to do, and I'm not even a woman. And I see, so uh, you mean to tell me you're not getting approached by any of these types of men, or are you, uh, or are you curving these men because you view these men as less masculine and less manly than this goddamn savage over
0: here? Exactly, and then like what they they they, these women fail to realize sometimes. I mean, it's not a shout. It's not like a a diss to all women. Like, don't get it twisted. But at the same time, they want to generalize. A few niggas to, like, as all black men, like, say, well, all black men no good. It's because the niggas that you fuck with. Nah. I mean, you need to take accountability for the niggas that you fuck with, too. I mean, because some of y'all knew he wasn't no good for y'all got whipped. So.
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let me read this right here, man. It says a white post-war housing boom and redlining in black neighborhoods the post-war housing boom almost entirely excluded black Americans, most of whom remained in cities that received less and less investment from businesses and banks. Though the GI Bill guaranteed low-interest mortgages and other loans, they were not administered by the VA itself. Thus, the VA could co-sign but not actually guarantee the loans. This gave white-run financial institutions free reign to refuse mortgages and loans to black people redlining a decades i don't know why this thing does that i keep looting my spot when i try and scroll a decades old practice of marking maps by race to characterize the risks of lending money and providing insurance made purchasing a home even more difficult for black veterans lenders froze out poorer neighborhoods ensuring that loan assistance and insurance would be denied and new white suburbs often came with overtly racist covenants that denied entry to black people. David Carroll, this black bitch has created the ghetto. Hell out of here, man! What you're saying is just inaccurate, Mister Carroll. Exactly,
1: what you're saying, right. what
4: you're... <laughs> And and, and is in service to, con- to to white conservative tropes and sensibilities about number one, black morality, and number two, black sexuality. See.
0: That, yeah, like when you look the at is, the, the
4: distance. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
0: And, and the thing is, like, and you, and you have some people like saying, well, black people were around each other because they chose to be around each other. No, a lot of them were forced to be to be trapped in the ghetto, while a lot of these white folks were incentivized <laughs> with, with um, government subsidies and moved from the projects to the suburbs. But projects were originally for like, but um, working in lower middle class white folks originally. There was a time exactly. where blacks couldn't even get certain projects, couldn't even inhabit certain projects. You know what I'm saying? Exactly.
4: Like even when you look at how how we get Central Park in New York, huh. uh, there was a there was a an, an entire black community that was in that occupied that that particular plot of land, and they were ran off so they could create Central Park. I forgot what it was called. Mm-hmm. Seneca 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 uh, Village Seneca
0: Village. Seneca,
4: yeah, Seneca Village. You see what I'm saying? So this is this is just the way these things have happened. And you know that land, that, that plot of land right now in New York is worth millions of dollars. Mm. See, so this this is how the this is how the wealth has been maldistributed. And if you notice, JB Gunner had no real no real rebuttals for my points when I when I was bringing this up. See what I'm saying? Yeah, like he, like he had he had no real rebuttal. But let me
0: finish reading. I mean, says, of course not. Well, go ahead. What you about to say? I said, of course he didn't have no rebuttal. I mean, because like it, a lot of these white folks be knowing these facts are just, they know black people don't study and research. And then we start to think, well, maybe it's our fault. Maybe we do need to pull ourselves stuff up out of the bootstrap. You got to right. fit the mentality and all that stuff. Like, no, like, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we were excluded from a lot of these resources that could have helped exactly. us gain the certain, same amount of equality as white folks in this society.
4: Exactly. Um, but, says in, but go ahead, Cass.
0: You think about
1: that so-called cockazoo is dumb as fuck. really can we throw some real information these motherfuckers have no vote because they don't really read so if we get a lot of these people cry that they know yeah, they, they, they don't
4: read either yeah you're right they,
1: they, yeah, they, they, don't, don't, read nope. they don't read either they, they, they don't read either. they, they, they do they, 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 they follow the status quo brothers that's says they follow the status quo nothing right. more nothing less all they go right. by is skin and gross commission
4: they dumb as fuck. continue all right it says in 1947 Only two of the more than 32,000 VA-guaranteed home loans in 13 Mississippi cities went to black borrowers. These impediments were not confined to the South, notes historian Ira Katz-Nelson. In New York and the northern New Jersey suburbs, fewer than 100 of the 67,000 mortgages insured by the GI Bill supported home purchases by non-whites. Look, even when we talk about the eminent domain laws and how eminent domain was used to, to tear up many prosperous black areas that you did have, you know, many, many prosperous, you know, small black businesses that were, that, that were, were tore up through imminent em, domain. And that's what I'm talking about when I was talking about, right. We, right. Can right. Have, we can, right. we can, we can have, our, we could have our own league. We can have our own league. All these people going to do is just use eminent domain or something to, 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 to get rid of your business. They, this is what they've been doing. So I'm saying, but so it's like, that's not even realistic. Yeah, like and, and, and I was, yeah, like with the, the the creation of the of the interstate highway system mm-hmm. that was that that was created under Dwight D Eisenhower, and the reason why these things were created was to facilitate the creation of the suburbs. Yep, which which was facilitated by deindustrialization of the of the city centers, and and the and and and, and, and black people. Was cut out from these types of things. And and you look at a lot of the highways and stuff that was put over a lot of uh black areas. Like, like even when you look at the high rates of lead poisoning that was prevalent um up until like the 80s and 90s, the, the fact is a lot of that was coming from those highways. See, it's the reason why we switched from leaded gas to unleaded gas. But to hide mm. that fact, they made it seem like the kids were just eating this lead-based paint in these in these in these projects in these housing projects. No, mm. it was from the it was from the fumes from uh, of these highways and, and interstate systems that was surrounding these black areas. See, yeah, so this is a lot you- a lot deeper and a lot more exp- expansive
0: than what we think. Go ahead. And then and then these black areas, a lot of them were like um they they brought in a lot of liquor stores and put a lot of pollution these factories mm-hmm. that had like a, a large amount, enormous amount of pollution in there. So that was causing a lot of um, unhealthy health defects when it came to black people. See
2: right. you know what I'm saying? Exactly.
0: And, then, and then with the federal, I just like, I'm up here in Minnesota and I, I read an article where there was a black community in St. Paul that was called Rondo, where they they completely demolished the whole community by building i-94 up here so what you say is definitely accurate when it comes to the eminent domain the interstate highway system exactly. that they built in order to um they order for to, to make white folks like make it like easier for them to travel from the suburbs to work yep um yeah and so all this
4: was done um for the for the express purpose of subjugation of black people and, and rendering black people uh, in, an underclass in american society the mud seal of american society as uh david carroll would say um now let me finish reading this then i, I got something i want to look for so i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you uh take take over for a little while because i got something i want i want i got a picture i want to show but it says black veterans in search of education they had been guaranteed fared no better Many black men returning home from the war didn't even try to take advantage of the bill's educational benefits. They could not afford to spend time in school instead of working. But those who did were at a considerable disadvantage compared to their white counterparts. Public education provided poor preparation for black students and many lacked much educational attainment at all due to poverty and social pressures. See, this is again, this goes back to the spatiality, the segregation. When we had all black schools, all black schools, those all black schools were still subject to the white power structure. That's just and, and, what and, it is. They were
0: getting and those and, the, and those all black schools, and all black colleges were very underfunded and they're very exactly. overcrowded. To add to it, that.
4: Exactly, exactly. Like and that's what I'm saying. They're able to cause certain realities in our environments, man. I'm gonna read this last section and then um I gotta look for something. It says as right. veteran applications flooded universities black students often found themselves left out northern universities dragged their feet when it came to admitting black students and southern colleges barred black students entirely. va itself encouraged black veterans to apply for vocational training instead of university admission and arbitrarily denied educational benefits to some students um all right all right Dijon, uh, go go on to some of your sources and, and bring some more stuff i got i got something i want to look for I'm oh, most
0: um, I, I like to touch on um, 1933, the Home Owners Loan Corporation, because there was, there was a company that created the maps that determined whether or not a neighborhood was safe to invest in. And I have a source from The Color of Law. That's the book that I have also. And it says, in 1933, the Home Owners Loan Corporation was created to rescue homes that were about to be foreclosed. H O L C mortgages added principal and interest to the monthly payments, which made the borrower the homeowner after it was paid off. So basically, um the, the the home, the home loans that they got, they had low interest on them. So as soon as they and it added principal to them and interest. So as soon as they paid them off, the homeowner, the home, the person that actually got the loan that actually obtained the home after the loan was paid off to them. And the HOLC, they utilized color-coded security maps to determine whether or not a neighborhood was safe to invest in. The areas that was color-coded green, those are the great areas that, that the FHA financed or the HOLC financed. And that's mostly where white people resided. And then the ones that were color-coded red, that's mostly where black people resided. There was a financial risk to invest in because they thought that the, the very presence of black people like diminished the property value of that neighborhood. And then you had the Federal Housing Administration was created to assist middle income renters to be single family homeless, homeowners for the first time. And they did, the FHA did, did their own appraisal um, separate from the H-O-L-C to ensure that those loans had had a low risk um, to foreclose. And then um, they, they appraised the procedures that included a whites-only requirement and segregation was the protocol used to ensure federal mortgages. And properties that were racially mixed or white neighborhoods near black neighborhoods were considered financial risk. And the FHA wouldn't even finance those loans either. So like neighborhoods that were mixed, there was a mixed multitude of blacks, whites or others like any any presence of black people in that neighborhood caused it to be a financial risk. So people thinking, well, we should just stay segregated and all that. No, segregation was forced on us by the federal government. And that's documented throughout Mm -hmm. history. So we we need to get out of the notion that we want to be around each other. And that's why we should just remain segregated. Right. Or or integration was the worst thing that happened to black people. No, integration was about having the same access to amenities and facilities that white folks had considering the fact that they considered us citizens in 1866 with the Civil Rights Act. See what I'm saying? Like, and these are the same Negroes in 2019 that, that can't even separate from the white man's gas lights or water companies. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> I mean, we we talk hella shit, but we still spending the white man's money. We still, we still turning on their lights, we still turn on their gas, still going to their grocery stores. Like none of y'all ready to be revolutionary like y'all think y'all.
4: <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine these Negroes, man? If, if uh, you, you know, if, if 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 everything they've become accustomed, like just imagine if they got damn phone didn't work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> pandemonium. Right. You know what I'm saying? Why they sit here and talk this fake pro-black uh, uh, revolutionary bullshit?y Man, that that, that 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 they're not really ready ready to live up to. Man, I found an image I want, but I don't, my damn. I don't know what's going on with my email. It won't open it up, man. I'm still I'm trying to get it to open it up. Oh, I think it was about to do it. Is
0: it? And furthermore, I like to read a page on um, page 96 from The Color of Law. Um, It what says, go ahead, brother.
1: I'm going to share the show.
4: Open up. Why don't I don't want to open?
1: <laughs>
4: and think about it. I was going
1: to say, if there was like a major, like serious collapse, shit, next we in trouble
4: getting around yeah like just imagine 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 them not being able to use their phone <laughs> imagine, imagine imagine the super chat and youtube not working you know what i'm saying <laughs> these niggas will lose their mind man why they talk that fake 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 shit i'm like just sit down somewhere man like I, you know what i'm saying then, and, and, then but, they go talk then,
0: then, then, then they go then they go talk that fake pro black shit on the white man's facebook that's it that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. See, uh, like you got to really understand, you know, understand, understand the way things work, man, and in American in American society, when it comes to the the, the power apparatuses, the levels of control, um, those things that that really matter, the things that really dictate how your what's going to happen in your everyday life and your day to day life. Yeah. You see what I am saying? Like you have to understand the importance of those things. And this idea or this notion of black separatism is merely consigning those decision making processes and uh, processes to the dominant society and those who have shown an ambivalence to your number one humanity, number two equality and number three achievement. So that is not an adequate strategy for an approach to dealing with. a a situation as complex as the one ADOS Americans find themselves in in 2019 Jim Crow racism and these different things are more refined they are more nuanced it's the same reason why Martin Luther King when he went to Chicago found that his approach wasn't going to work his approach like the approach he was able to use in the south wasn't going to work in the north because as I've stated before different regions of the country behave differently so the type of racism that was prevalent in in the South with this overt in your face Jim Crow racism was much more nuanced in in Chicago. And so his his methods and his tactics simply weren't going to work. And this is where we find ourselves at now. One day, what we need to do, I want to do a show, maybe our next one design or one coming up, because we're going we're going to do these once a month. But the next one I want to okay. talk about is this idea of social justice. Social justice is a myth. And it's because of social justice, this idea of social justice that has given us this politically correct climate where you can't even talk about uh, racism and even expose it in in very real concrete terms. If you notice, it's much more abstract, just like Lee Atwater said it was going to be. See because yeah, so I mean, and you're not saying "nigger, nigger." Now you're saying force busing, smaller government, lower taxes, knowing that because of the racialized history of America, the outcome is always going to be disproportionately uh, disadvantage, disadvantageous to black people. Go, go ahead. Oh, yeah.
1: uh, okay. I'll and no part, don't forget, also they use other coded terms like uh. oh just about to say that
0: i'm just about yep. to say that
4: <laughs> so one day we need to we need we need to do that see this politically correct climate this idea of they the, the idea of social justice you know you should call it amiri and use it, it to facilitate the their language. quack movement what's that
1: you should call it
4: what, what called this the like la- the
1: language of the beast the coded language of beast. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that sound that sound uh, that sound religious <laughs> but look I got right here I have an image this is from this is from that same book my brother design is is referencing the color of law by uh I, let me let me give y'all the name of the author so maybe y'all people can can buy this book uh what's the name of this author man um richard Rothstein but this is this is a, a picture from this book. And I don't know if y'all can, if y'all can, can see the, the fine print, but I'm going to read it. It says, Miami, 1966, Mayor Chuck Hall sends the first wrecking ball into homes of African-Americans near downtown, for ceiling, fulfilling, excuse me, the city's plan to relocate them to a distant ghetto. See this urban, like this city planning, urban renewal see the apparatuses and levers of control you don't need to vote you don't need to vote how you gonna vote yourself out of white supremacy see what i'm saying because they don't understand seeing these were the types of things that were done through their through their unilateral control of these apparatuses so you have so in order to stop them from doing what they're doing you have to occupy the apparatuses too they don't. They don't have. They don't have to be sharing the same bathroom with you to do this. That's and that's. Right. And, and that's why I be trying to tell them. Okay, tell me one thing that they've done post integration that they couldn't do before integration. They could have still did it. You have to. You have to get in the game, and fight them on their on 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 their turf where they are. But see, in order to do that, it means the creation and the cultivation of well-rounded race conscious children which is which is going to ha- which is going to have a component of the family structure that can go into these halls and apparatuses of power and compete and not only com- and not only compete but also win and so in 2019 we find ourselves more removed from this because we are more confused because we are more divided. Now I got I got another article
0: that I that I want to pull up. Hey, but, but, but before you get on that article, I okay. like to read some as well from the color law. Okay, go ahead. Cause it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna touch on on the alternative of what blacks had to um acquire due to the fact that we were denied um FHA and H O L C loans. It's on right. page 96 in The Color of Law. It says the real estate firms then sold their newly acquired properties at inflated prices to African-Americans, expanding their residential boundaries. Because most black families could not qualify for mortgages under FHA and bank policies, the agents often sold these homes on installment plans, similar to the one Charles Baderock developed in Detroit, in which no equity accumulated from down or monthly payments. Known as contract sales, these agreements usually provided that ownership would transfer to purchasers after 15 or 20 years. But if a single monthly payment was late, the speculator could evict the would be owner, which who had no who had accumulated no equity. The inflated sales price made it all the more likely that payment would not be on time. Owner speculators could then resell their homes and new contract buyers see, a lot of them were getting homes on contracts, meaning that if they missed a single payment on those contracts, they could possibly lose their home. And then, mm-hmm. due to the fact that a lot of black people, like, had re- inadequate resources and adequate employment, they were working, some of them were working, like, two to three jobs in order to um, make ends meet. And they had, there was a point to where they had this, like, they had a, a shift differential in going to school in the morning, going to school in the afternoon, where you had some students that went to school in the morning, and then some that went in the afternoon. Then you had some of them that were, that went overcrowded schools and overcrowded ghettos that really didn't have mm-hmm. nothing to do. So that that's when a lot of them started engaging in crime and violent activity. Right. Yeah.
4: Yeah. These, these like this is the, you know, the history and the legacy of, you know, of 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 how things have played themselves out in America. Um, something I talked about when. Um, when I was dealing with J.B. Gunner was, you know, we were talking about entitlements and and, and see, this is why they stigmatize entitlements and, and, and welfare. See, these things aren't really entitlements because all you're doing is recouping the money that you've paid into a system, that you've paid into this system. All payroll taxes go towards what we know of as the social, the social safety net. And the number one group who pulls themselves out of poverty through the social safety net is white people. It's yeah. not black people. See, by the time nothing left. This is the way the distribution of wealth works in this country This is the way it works. Mm -hmm. So what I have here on the on the screen is an article and it says how today's white middle class was made possible by welfare. It says whites angered at blacks and immigrants receiving, quote unquote, government handouts. Forget they were lifted out of poverty through racially exclusive welfare programs in the 30s. It says between 2001 and 2010, Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania, lost at least 8,000 manufacturing jobs. That's one explanation for why this once blue region gave more votes to Donald Trump than did any other Pennsylvania county, helping swing the state in his favor and propelling him to a surprise victory. We want our jobs back, John Golem, a retired steel worker (laughs) in Westmoreland County and lifelong Democrat who voted for Trump, told the Wall Street Journal, adding that previous presidents from both parties forgot us. Um, A form of historical amnesia also afflicts Westmoreland County. Largely absent from discussions of its decline are the ambitious social welfare programs that once helped its residents climb out of poverty two generations ago this area of rural Pennsylvania was the site of a sweeping and successful federal housing program the new deal subsistence homestead program launched in 1933 with 25 million dollars built modern homes for low-wage industrial workers and gave them plots of land for subsistence farming. Hmm, pull yourself up by your own bootstrap, they say. In this corner of coal country, devastated by dangerous labor practices and low wages, federal officials constructed a new community that gave poor white families a stepping stone to home ownership and the middle class. The story of this housing program is told by historians Timothy Kelly, Margaret Power, and Michael Crary in Hope and Hard Times, Norvelt and the Struggle for Community during the Great Depression. Norvelt, one of 34 communities in 18 states completed under the Roosevelt administration's subsistence homestead program, remains today as a village of more than 1,000 residents in Westmoreland County. The median household income in Norvelt is more than 56000 just above the state median. Fewer than 3% of residents live in poverty, a lower rate than any of the surrounding communities. It's a monument to the, to the potential for an ambitious and innovative federal government to work positively in people's lives, the authors write but it is also a reminder of the federal government's inability or refusal to address the unyielding racial segregation in America's housing markets. Mm. The authors can document just one African-American family living in, living in, uh, I, lost my th- I lost my place again, living in Norville in the late 1930s and the community is still largely white today. Most of the community's first residents were the children or grandchildren of immigrants from southern or eastern Europe and had lived in coal patch communities owned by Henry Clay Frick. See, these same immigrants. Man, my my, my, my father came here with two cents to his name and now we own this big this big factory here because we worked really hard and pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. I don't know what your niggas are doing. You're too busy running around here being thugs. See what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm that's saying? the rhetoric
1: they come with. Too. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, that's the, rhetoric, that's the rhetoric, rhetoric they come
4: with. <laughs> you what I'm saying? Hell out of here! Immigration is a handout. What are you talking about? It really is. If if if, yeah, if yeah. it wasn't for for the four hundred years of free African labor, there would be no 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 governmental apparatus t- to make your immigrating coming over here possible. See, there was there, there was no no United States, man. They were like there was no United States before the Af- that African labor created the United States, what, or what would become the United States. They generated the wealth that would become the United States.
0: And and, and, th- and then the, and another thing is that they love to they love to say, well, black people are always riot and stuff, and that every time a social injustice occurs within our community, Wes. An un- unarmed black man gets gunned down by a white I man. They love to bring up the black on black crime right. um rhetoric, but yeah. but they fail to realize that um, interracial crime I- exists when when it comes to proximity, and also the fact that remains mm. that you talk about black people are always starting riots and tearing shit up, but this country was founded on on a riot called the Boston Tea Party. So you, you America, you're being very hypocritical when you try to um ridicule black people and chastise black people for doing the same shit y'all did to find this country. Right. And, and it's much deeper. This country is found by rape, plunder, and pillage.
1: By the, exactly. the criminals. Exactly. They matter. they criminals first. And think about this brother, um, Israel. If I it right. yeah, what that's I said right. What these correct. criminals do now, what they do now, is what the ages do now. They send their criminals off to certain parts of the globe. <laughs> <and> the Caribbean. <laughs> Alaska. Because once the history is known, if you don't learn history, it is bound to peace itself. They send the dirty, the most wicked type of people to do the dirty work.
0: Is exactly. so that mm-hmm. And that's why I conclude. And a lot of things it, I see. Overall. I mean, they, they. I mean, they send they cr- They send their criminals over here because um, and they also like to talk about the Jews, how they ascended up the ladder and the um corporate ladder and all that, and how. They pulled their stuff about the bootstraps, but a lot of them Jews were receiving FHA and GI Bill um, loans after they served time in the war. That's how the Jews became white in society. So right. we have to um, note that as well. Right. But, and these these Jews are still receiving rep- they've been receiving reparations from West Germany since 1952 with the Luxembourg Agreement. Right.
4: Um, yeah. I want to address David in the David in the chat room. He said. So, white trailer parks are as violent as Chicago, West Side, or Miami Dade County. I, I think this is the problem when we forget the, the continuum of American society, because let's not forget uh, the 1920s, which were, were the, the roaring 20s. And the fact of the matter is, is that Chicago has a storied history when it comes to gang violence. So, what we see brothers, brothers and sisters participating in Chicago is not unique to Chicago. When the Italians first came to this country, many of them were were a marginalized group held, you know, held from a lot of the same things that we're talking about now. And so what this creates, it creates uh, a criminal class. Marginalization of groups creates a criminal class. Uh, This is something that that is, uh, you know, that's that's undeniable. You look at prohibition during this time period was, was, uh, was the law of the land. And so was bootlegging bootlegging was, was the counter to that, but they legalized those things, incorporated the Italians into whiteness. And now those things have, have much more faded into the recesses of American history. But you have the gangsters like Al Capone, um, the the St. Valentine's day massacre. So what you see black people doing is not endemic to, is not endemic to, to just black people these the Chicago has a storied history with gang violence um and then
0: go ahead. and then i like to to that because they love because you have some of these white people that love the state well the Irish were slaves too right. and all that stuff was they don't know how to distinguish between indentured indentured servitude and slavery they were mm-hmm. not a lot of them were not forced over here a lot of them came over here and they, they actually had a contractual agreement where they will work five to seven years as opposed right. to black people who were forced to work for free. And then a lot of those Irish were starting to receive land, not only land, they would a lot of them um compose and make up the the New York Police Department today. A lot of them were were uh, like a lot of them were incorporated into the police department and the and, and, and the fire department as well. Right. Um
4: let me finish reading this. Well, well, you know what? Let me let me respond to David right quick. David said, "Noah, Mary, you guys tried to act like black-on-black black crime is a racist talking point. Tell that to the dead kids killed in drive-bys. Where are the dozens of white killed in drive-bys? Well, again, these things are are the the result of economic desperation. Like I said, the the, the spatiality of the country, the way it's laid out, segregationist policies that that are are meant to create certain realities in our in our environment." And the fact of the matter, matter is, is that black on black crime is a, a racist talking point. Because if you're going to talk about black on black crime, well, you talk about white on white crime then? Uh, yeah, because you, uh, yeah, yeah, you're murdered you're by one, those who you live with. Like intra-group murder yeah. is the highest type, is, is the greatest type of murder that exists in a society.
0: And if people ask, and if people actually done their research, they would see that the black on black crime rate has really decreased in the past twenty years. You no, know? and also. Yeah. Eighty-five percent of white people are killed by other white people. Exactly. Now, let's talk about let's talk about the white people that go shoot up a damn Walmart. Shit. I don't <laughs> see no black people doing <laughs> shit like that. And right, then, right,
1: brother. See, Austria, it's been declining since nineteen ninety-five. And why I would say nineteen ninety-five? Because that same year is when Bill Clinton put that crime bill. That's really when it took uh-huh. a dip. Yeah. So but about this thing about this criminality nonsense. And this is why people need to read certain books. I, another good book reference people to read right now is mm-hmm. Black and Black Violence by Amos Wilson. He I got, got that book. Yeah. And it predicted how crime works. And that book came out in ninety, nineteen
4: ninety, before four or five years when they started put that bill in a But bank. but 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 even even then I still don't wanna give the wrong yeah. perception because we're i'm very much yeah. anti-criminal i don't care what the color is but but particularly for for, for for brothers and sisters what you're not going to do is is be the criminal element in the community doing the things that's putting all of us at risk then now you want to come back and and now you you you're the you're the spokesman for black empowerment and and all things oh. black you see what i'm saying no it, it doesn't work like that like wow. I, I, yep. I i would much rather prefer uh you know, not the not the the son who strayed like uh, the story of the prodigal son, but I, I would prefer the one who did what they were supposed to do from the very beginning. An uh, ounce yeah. of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You see what I'm saying? If you did things the right way, then you wouldn't have to, but you wouldn't be having to have a a redemption story, now would you? you? See what I'm saying? This and see, this is something that is that is pre- that is prevalent in American society and American culture too. Is this ro- romanticizing of the redemption story? You see what I'm yeah. saying? Doing all this fucked up shit, then. All of a sudden, you see the right oh, now. You come back, reformed as the as the Malcolm X convict, nigga. You know what I'm saying? No, man, No, Like, exactly. sit down. Like you, got, you got brothers. Exactly. What they supposed to do from the very beginning? You you're not gonna leapfrog them and then think because you because your uh your street cred, you 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 have more. Fuck out of here. Like, I, I don't operate like that. You see what I'm saying? And if yeah. if you have individuals who who, who want to follow that, wouldn't well, follow that. But that's not the way I operate. I'm looking at the I'm looking at those individuals who've been in the field doing the work from the very beginning and didn't have to be redeemed because they never strayed in the first place all that's telling me is that you took the bait that's all that's telling me but let me let me read this this little section of this article it says the homestead experiment after world war ii when residents took ownership of their houses incorporated their towns and turned the cooperative farms into individually owned yards a generation or two after the federal government built Norville and other homestead communities, many children and grandchildren of the original beneficiaries became Nixon's silent majority or Trump's Rust Belt's belt whites. Angered by what they perceive as government handouts to African Americans and immigrants, it's an ugly irony that the book's authors do not explain. See that that that. See now when it, when other groups getting it now it's an entitlement. Now it's government handout when they're getting it. See what I'm saying? Exactly. When 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 mm-hmm. when welfare became accessible to to black people through Lyndon Johnson's Great Society legislation, now it's destroying the black family. It's not the fact that for for 400 years you you've oppressed and subjugated these people. You sent the men off to fight in the, in, in in these wars. You disproportionately drafted them into, into Vietnam. You put these same brothers that was in Vietnam on the front lines of some of the most contested battles, highly contested battles. You got them hooked on heroin. You created Rockefeller drug laws. You deindustrialized industrialized the city centers where they were and, and, and outsourced the jobs uh, and created suburbs now distributing the resources it's, its none of that. It's not any of that that destroyed that disintegrated the black family. It's welfare. That's what it is. That's why. See, this is a political sleight of hand <clears throat> that the conservatives engage in because they know if if, if when they engage in that rhetoric, it's going to drive a wedge between you and your woman. They know that. They do. So, so you, so you're not going to say. It's the fact that starting in the 1960s, the 1960s, when we look at the 1960s and this idea of men being of, of black men being taken out of the home. The only place we see an influx of black men is in the is in the prisons. Yep, that's the only place black black men may have been pre- disproportionately represented in the prison population. But in the 1960s, we see a constant, steady trend where 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 black men are comprising more and more and more and more of the overall prison population. When we talk about mass incarceration, there's three three phases of mass incarceration. You have Clinton, you have Nixon, and you have uh shit, I forgot uh Junior? No not Junior. Who is that? Um damn man, I can't think of, what was that president, man? Um Nixon. Nixon is it was it um ronald reagan ronald reagan yeah you have so, yeah first, first,
1: first they do you go in order
4: nixon ronald reagan, nixon, and, bill ronald reagan and bill clinton you That's have three fa- you have three phases oh, of care. three phases of mass incarceration that disproportionately mm-hmm. targeted black men They they were able to disproportionately target black men through crack cocaine because black men were the greatest dealers and users of crack cocaine when we talk about the the, the creation of out of wedlock, uh, of the, the the uptick of out of wear lock child rate, we we never take a, we never look at the physiological effects of crack cocaine. The fact that crack co- co- crack cocaine has a profound impact on the libido of the users. See, which is going which is going to ramp up the sexuality, going to ramp up the out of wedlock child rate. Wow.
0: And the thing is. And let's not forget that um uh, when Lyndon b johnson was in office he the one that started militarizing the police around yep. that time and yep. then um they they the government started giving grants to allow these um to these cities and stuff to militarize the police to um prevent a prevent or er, er, arise yeah, to prevent right. a riot, to prevent um black people people from actually right. rising up against people that were oppressing them around that time. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah.
1: And so, and no, uh, go ahead, Cass. And don't forget, um, I think it's that same it was I don't know it was just Howard the White or Lyndon B Johnson one of them dudes that no actually it was the other president before um Lyndon B when they um used the same police to um put the, for the school systems for the kids. Yep. Right. Yeah.
4: But that, that was not present, no, Johnson. Um, let me finish. Let me finish reading this. It says, uh, "When most Americans think about public housing today, they picture the widely despised high-rise projects blamed for destroying black urban neighborhoods." That's what I was telling JB Gunner. He was talking about the projects. I said, "But uh, public housing was created for white people in this country. Um, you have entire entire white neighborhoods that was that were publicly funded." Now these were these things were publicly fu- publicly funded, man. So it's not just what you're thinking. It is this. It says I'm a, I'm gonna keep going. It says this was federally funded housing for the urban working class introduced under the 1937 Housing Act. Early public housing offered comfortable, modern apartments for both white and black families, but racial segregation was enforced.
3: We were better off under
4: segregation. <laughs> By the 1960s. High-rise public housing was underfunded, poorly maintained, and considered little more than a warehouse for the black urban poor. Today, the federal government's role in building and subsidizing the homestead communities and the larger, larger government programs to subsidize construction of white suburbs across the nation is all but erased from history. This allows contemporary white Americans To assume they came by home ownership and the family wealth it produces through individual hard work we work really hard it also sustains their refusal to recognize the ways white privilege or what w.e.b du bois called the wages of whiteness propelled white workers into middle class economic stability deindustrialization in the 1970s and 80s coupled with 40 years of stagnant wages and the 2008 housing crisis have eroded the value of whiteness though certainly not eliminated it. 80 years after Norvelt, the right wing elite plays on the anxiety of working class whites who have lost some of the economic economic privileges that their grandparents took for granted. And see, what these conservatives do, this is, this is southern strategy. That, that's what it is. This is st- southern strategy, the political sleight of hand. See, and that's why I said, from the from the time of Lyndon Johnson till now, it's the reason why you've only had three Democratic presidents: Obama, Jimmy Carter, and Bill Clinton. And only two of those presidents have been two-term presidents. The party yep. switch is a myth. Okay, if the party switch is a myth, explain to me explain to me how the political how the political map switched. This at one time mm-hmm. the South was Democratic blue. Today it's Republican red. So it did switch. Mm. See, because realigning of the political map calls for realigning of political coalitions. So that's what we're really talking about. The creation of new coalitions, the rise of the new right and the new left. The civil rights movement was so powerful in what it was doing and in what it did that it shifted the entire country to the left. The entire country moved to the left. So you had a so you had a creation of, 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 of a new of a new left leftist uh ideology. And and subsequently and consequently, you had the creation of a of, of a new right wing ideology, which is where your neoconservatism comes from. Remember. See, and, 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 and right. that and that feeds into the social justice thing I was talking about earlier. Go ahead, Chaos. You must
1: remember, they're two sides of the same coin. Anytime they want pro. Uh, society are bound. You switch it under by using those same parties. Cause Now you hear these same fools. Someone say "I'm this. I'm a liberal. I'm this." Mm-hmm. and I say, "You're following the same bullshit." As when they <laughs> want to change it, they will, and they have done exactly. it. Successfully. That's why you see why black people fall under one party for over almost half a century. Right. And now you yeah, see now I'm starting to, to this to the other side now. After right. to know
0: they've been screwed for decades. Right, that was all yeah, planned from the start. If you have not worry and the thing is, and mo- most black people were actually Republicans prior to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Exactly. That's what we failed to highlight, and like doing. And the Republicans, you had black people that actually were, were in polit- high political offices during the time of Reconstruction until the the compromise of 1877 by rutherford b hayes where in mm-hmm. exchange changed for boats black um they withdrew the federal troops from the south exactly. and caused a lot of the violence there to to mm-hmm. occur where that was happening during slavery do, during the advent of the ku klux klan
4: right the the the, the uh the, the repatriating segregationists were were um were given special overtures with that that uh rutherford b hayes compromise and rutherford b hayes he betrayed the he betrayed those black republicans this is what see integration was actually reintegration see Mm -hmm. integration preceded segregation because under under the, the chattel slavery there was no need for segregation because the because black people weren't considered citizens. They didn't have equal rights or none of these or any of these things. So you didn't have to have segregation. The uh, many of the of the social spaces, social spaces they, they shared in company with white people. Like how are you gonna practice white supremacy if there's no if there's no negroes around? You see? So once uh, they became emancipated and they were, you know, you had the creation of the of the second bill of rights, which was 13th, 14th, and 15th amendment to the constitution, they were given equal rights of citizenship uh they were promised 40 acres and a mule and all these different things then when these segregationists began to repatriate now it was the need to to, to for the for uh, uh those whites to reassert themselves this idea of the south will rise again you know what i'm saying so they okay. then they created they created jim crow and and and, and started uh engaged in segregation you see what i'm saying jim crow these different things and so that's how we get to where we are today i got one more thing i want to i want to uh i want to look up um and because i mentioned this too i mentioned well my in my debate with jb gunner i mentioned um that you you racialized union politics in america the creation of the minimum wage and how them creating the minimum wage was actually a ploy to price black men out of the labor market because what it did, it prevented black men from being able to undercut the white laborer. See all these, see, like, like all these things were taking place was, uh, you know, jockeying for, for, for power of the industrialized labor force. You see what I'm saying? And also, and also to add to
0: that, and also to add to that, um, the 1935 social security act was, um, Implemented to give white people um, old age insurance, minimum wage protection, and also um, it it also helped them get unemployment insurance too. And a lot of, they said agricultural workers and domestic workers were excluded from a lot of New Deal policies. And majority of the black people, the black population in the South, were excluded from New Deal incentives. So, right even even participating in collective bargaining. Black people couldn't even participate in unions at one time due to, exactly. due to these laws. So we got to exactly. keep that in mind as well. And you yep.
1: know, It's funny you mentioned that that it came into effect in the 35. They already projected in the next 15 years counting that it will be mm-hmm. completely deleted and obsolete. So it was only used for only temporary to what they want to really do down the line. You know what I'm saying? But go ahead, Amer.
4: Yeah. Okay. Um. Now this, I'm gonna read this. This is from a from an article. Um. I'm waiting for it for everything to clear out on it. Um. Close that. Close that. And see, this oh, is this is that. why it's important to understand, um, the politics of uh, you know, racialized identity politics. Um. So I'm gonna read this. Mm-hmm. And I and, and this would do it because we've been on we've been on here almost two hours and I got to get ready for work. Um, it says the Davis Bacon Act of 1931 and the breakdown of the black family. Huh. <laughs> it says uh, <laughs> it says conservatives tend to regard the growing trend of single parent families as an issue of personal responsibility. But what if the liberals who blame society are partly right? What if they can point their finger to a bill sponsored by two Republicans and signed into law by a Republican president? Prior to the 1930s, the labor force participation rate for black Americans was roughly equal to that of whites. Following passage of the first federal minimum wage in 1931, these rates started to diverge. And from the 1950s, To the present, national black unemployment has remained at double the rate for whites. This is not surprising. Minimum wage restrictions discourage businesses from hiring workers who are regarded as less marketable due to their lack of experience or societal prejudice. The impact of minimum wage on worker participation depends on how much it exceeds market-based wages. This in turn varies from state to state since information on the size of this gap is not easily available. The state regulatory environment as determined by Forbes magazine can serve a more comprehensive means for estimating, for estimating of overall administrative barriers to job growth. It says to defect, to detect the effect of the regulatory environment on black Americans, I limited the data to states with with significant black populations because these states are more likely to provide a representative sample for this group. Uh, I knew that was going to happen. Um, for this group, based on this sub sample, the line representing blacks is noticeably steeper than the line representing whites. This means that the employment gap, the employment gap between blacks and whites widens as state regulations become less conducive to business okay i'm trying to scroll down without a, it, it, every time i try to scroll down it it does it a lot so i can't see what i'm all right let me keep going <clears throat> it says federal expenditures to states obscure the, the effect of overregulation because federal jobs and grants can make up for the lack of private investment For example, despite having one of the worst regulatory environments in the U.S., the state of of Hawaii has one of the lowest unemployment rate. rate. Does this mean that federal investments are a good strategy for narrowing the employment gap? It says not really. Let me go on. I want to get to the part. Mm -mm. Okay, I'm I'm, going to start right here. It says when the sample is limited to states with minimal federal land, the line representing black unemployment becomes much steeper on the right side of the graph. The average employment gap between blacks and whites is eight points on the left side of the gap. It's only 3.5 percentage points for the state of Indiana. Shout out to Vine, Shea and Nikki. That's where they're from the gap is a mere 2.5 points during this time. The governor of Indiana was Mike Pence. Hmm. If equality is so important to progressives, why is the right side of the graph dominated by states that have voted Democratic since 1992? Uh, Rep. John Lewis recently canceled his scheduled appearance at the opening of a civil rights mu- museum upon learning that Donald Trump would be attending. On his own website, the 1960s civil rights veteran denounced Trump policies as hurtful and an insult to the people portrayed in the civil rights museum since trump has neglected to burn incense on the altar of diversity how have black americans fared under under the trump administration based on data from i'm I'm gonna keep going i don't know what he's talking about okay now it's getting to the bacon davis act okay that's what i want Uh -uh -uh. it says if you are among those who condemn the congressional republicans who did not let Obama raise the minimum wage to $10 an hour, then you should do your homework on Davis-Bacon. The Davis-Bacon Act was co-sponsored by Senator James J. Davis and Representative Robert L. Bacon and signed into law by President Herbert Hoover in 1931. According to the Foundation for Economic Education, this law was originally designed to protect white workers from competition. Huh... Presumably from the minorities who work for lower wages. Hmm. You may dispute the law's intent, but you cannot wish away data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. A chart from the Heritage Foundation, David in the chat room, because y'all love to quote the Heritage Foundation, Shows how the percent of black children born out of wedlock started rising steadily after 1940. It everything was fine until 1960, man. But then they, they, they Lyndon Johnson came with the Great Society legislation. And then all of a sudden, these black bitches, they just they they took welfare and put us out the home. That's what that's what
3: happened. <laughs> you know what I'm
4: saying? We,
3: really,
1: we really read and do the research over here, baby. What's about to say, Cass? One thing to also include, did y'all remember this, the the interview with Martin Luther King when he said that in one instance, this is in '63. I'll talk about one hour lock about some child, um, teenager or adult had children and out well, it was not married. So this was they're going around the '60s over 20 years since the '40s. Yeah, that's ago. what I'm, saying. Well, that's well, what I'm saying. This idea of your one more grace mentioned about this. Back in the sixties, it was already implemented twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. And All it just right. the article just
4: proved it. Right. Yeah, let, let me let me finish reading. See, and, and then when I was telling when I was trying to tell BJ bJs and them that what y'all saying is, is is inaccurate, they act like I'm saying something wrong. But I, I, I'm I'm not even I'm not saying welfare net don't doesn't play a part. What I'm saying is it's inaccurate it's factually inaccurate to say black women put black men out the home for welfare. It's just inaccurate. It's an inaccurate statement. It is very really- But let me finish reading. It says um started rising steadily after 1940. When it was originally 15%, today it's over 70%. If this is a legacy of slavery, why were there less single mothers during the era of Jim Crow? If this was precipitated by a brain drain of black professionals during desegregation why did this trend begin 13 years prior to Martin Luther King's march on Washington could it be the drug right trafficking right or might this just be a symptom of the chronic unemployment in these communities if you if you don't believe that look at William Julius Wilson's book when work disappears
0: got that book says, too
4: the steady trend towards single parent households started within the decade that followed the Davis Bacon act. I doubt this is a coincidence, but few things are more damaging to a man's self-respect than undermining his means to make an honest living. And this is why I was talking about when I did that video. How do you create an emasculated black male? You created an emasculated black male by telling him and his woman that he's supposed to wear the pants. Then you deny him pants.
1: There you go. See, and, thi- exactly. and, this is what, exactly. and this is what
4: they did. They forced us through their unilateral control of the apparatuses of American society. They forced us into a cultural pattern that was not conducive for the larger context of American life and American society. Because uh, for many brothers, the, their woman was the breadwinner, because, yeah, because she, because they would. were, they were more readily uh, to to employ her than they were to employ him.
1: And there's a reason for that, because a woman is not. It's not a threat. You
4: exactly, a she's not a
1: she's not not a threat, a threat to the social order. That, that's, that's why you look at, think about this, this is gonna hurt a lot of people's feelings. I don't care. As a man, you gotta understand, back then, when your wife, because black women had to work then at that time, she works in these white people's place, of course she's gonna get, get the date from the Caucasoid, because she has no choice. She don't get that
4: paper. You feel me? <laughs> all right <laughs> uh, so so that was just that was just a little bit of the history on the davis bacon act uh because i because I, I mentioned that in my in my debate with jb gunner and a brother was asking me about it and i couldn't i couldn't remember um no black youtube fanatic this, this isn't a debate i couldn't remember um the inf- the, the particulars on it at the time because oh, i read that some time ago i couldn't remember i couldn't remember like some things i'll read and i'll forget where i read it you know what i'm saying um but, that's you know, that, have- yeah, that, that's been that's been our presentation this this week of the making of the American middle class. You have to understand that the, the American middle class is a government creation uh, uh, subsidized by the by the government. Um, My you have to look at the creation of the credit economy, um, which took place in the 1980s under under Reagan. See, a lot of a lot of these same uh, white folks will put Ronald Reagan on a, on a on a pedestal when Ronald Reagan is is responsible for a mass redistribution of wealth in this country that has led to much of the stagnant wages um that that's affecting american workers and um for for uh the top one percent owning much of the resources in this country this idea of voodoo economics or trickle-down economics ronald reagan was 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 pivotal in spearheading that you see what I'm saying, and so now many of these uh, of of these white people are beginning to feel the crunch from that, from those policies. So what they did, they what, what this is what they they took the resources, and then they created this illusion of credit, the the creation mm-hmm. of the credit economy, credit cards, uh, student loans, um, mortgage uh, mortgages and stuff like that. You see, it gave this decadent veil of credit when the fact when the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is when it comes to actual currency when it comes to actual resources many of these white americans are no better are no better than us all they have to rely on is this illusion of credit and their psychological wage of whiteness they're really in no go
0: ahead Now i like to read something that dr king said okay. in 1968 he, he said um, he was at a small mississippi church and he said at the very same time america refused to get a negro on the land Through an act of Congress, our government was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that it was willing to undergird its white peasants from Europe with an economic floor. But not only did they give the land, they built land-grant colleges with government money to teach them how to farm. Not only that, they provided county agents to further their expertise in farming. Not only that, they provided low interest rates in order that they could mechanize their farms. Not only that, Today many of these people are receiving millions of dollars in federal subsidies, not the farm. And they are the very people telling the black man that y'all lift himself by his own bootstraps. This is what we're faced with. And this is a reality. Now, when we come to Washington in this campaign, we coming to get our check. That's right. That's you right. And
4: and we've been deferred, we've been deferred from getting that check for the last 40 or 50 years. we coming for it now. You know what I'm saying? A D O S baby, we come and we wanna we want our money. You know what I'm saying? We we want our money, you know what I'm saying? Like like Alpo and and, and Payton Four. You gotta double up. Double up. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta double up, baby. Double up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, but um that's, that's it. That's, for- that's, that's been his week's presentation, man. And like I said, we'll do these things once a month and have a have a different topic that's dealing with, you know, with these type of economic, political things. My brother Dijon is is well versed on and well read, uh, you know, understands the. Um the intricacies and the the nuances of them um i appreciate you for coming on brother um chaos Uh, i appreciate you for hopping on hopping on here with us everybody that 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 you know the audience that um that checked in that listened to some of the information or whatever it is make sure y'all like share and subscribe to the video see because one thing i know is that you have individuals who who wish to stop what what our mission is over here you see uh Which, you know, that's fine. I mean, you can do that. See, because what they're betting on is they're betting on this idea of lowbrow, non-intellectualism, screaming and holling, being ignorant. They're betting on on that being a you know, being a bigger draw. But I'm betting on something different. I'm betting that there's a a wider audience out there, group of 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 black people who really who really hunger and thirst for information, for knowledge for understanding and and those those are the ones that we're after that's what we're after this is this is our information is for for it's for a mature audience those individuals who, who use critical thinking analytics deductive reasoning uh knowledge and, and knowledge and understanding and so that that's the bet that we're making what's up what's up namaya <laughs> yeah you late we're about to go off I, but i appreciate you for coming yeah. in what you say yeah. Cass? Naeem Butler. Not Naima. It's Naima? No, Naeem. 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 Yeah. Naeem Buckner. Okay, Naeem. <laughs> yeah, but I appreciate you for coming in. But yeah, that's that's the bet that that we're making. And you know, and and, and like I said the other day, that is our, our golden focus is to is to to raise the political, social, and economic vibration of our people one broadcast at a time. And, and, and that's the direction we're going in and that's what we're going to continue to do alright so um, that's it Design, you have any parting words you want to tell, tell the listeners
0: well I would like to tell y'all um, keep your heads up keep focusing on you your family your community and peace love and light to all of you peace
4: alright yeah y'all know what it is make black America great again or die trying we out of here
1: Take care.